You know, I usually don't want to start the opening like this because, I mean, I've been contemplating what I, how should I start this episode off? I had a lot of stuff on my mind as of late and, and it's not wrestling related. It's not wrestling related. It's what's going on in this world right now. And this is not me being Shino D Phoenix. This is me being the real me. Speaking to you guys, Joshua Anthony Cyprian. That's my real name. And I want to talk to you guys personally because I, I just, I feel like I need to open up instead of just hiding behind my words. And I, and what, and I got to use my platform to just tell you how I'm feeling right now about what's been going on. Racism sucks. This is the worst aspects of mankind. And I just ask, how can we get rid of it? We need to find a way to get rid of it. We just can't have it be here for forever. And it's really hard for me to just talk about this because of what's been going on with the riots. And um, like all I ask for, can we like just to tell you what's going on? We had um, George Floyd, who was um, who got killed by a police officer, who was kneeling on the back of this dude's neck, telling like he's literally telling the officer, "I can't breathe, I can't breathe," while the neck is still up, while his knee is still applied to the back of his neck, and he just went limp. He went limp and. Um, he just died there. And I believe there were three officers. Uh, the other three just holding him down as well. Like, he was just compl- complying. He wasn't... He didn't have a dangerous weapon. And I just fear for... People who... Like, and it's, I'm not trying to make it about race, but... If you are an African American, like... You just fear right now that... You might get pulled over to get... Like, we think, oh, it's a ticket, but... This is some serious shit that we're in. And I have family members that are police officers. Some of them are retired. And some of them have a job with them right now. And I just fear for their safety. But the thing that gets me is people wear a badge to... Like, are you here to serve... To protect us, or are you trying to abuse your power because you're an officer and you can get away with this? And it's sad that it took four days for this guy to be arrested while a CNN reporter got arrested for doing his job. And he's now out of jail. What is going on with this world? What is going on with everybody, man? Like, have we not learned a thing? I, I don't get it. We have a president who's a fucking dumbass. I'm going to be upfront and honest because I don't talk about politics more than anything. Like, our president is a fucking dumbass. And I don't even consider him a president. I see him more as a dictator. And it, it just pisses me off, man, to see this guy in office. Literally not giving a shit about the world. 
it, it bugs me. It really bugs me that people actually voted for this guy because they think he's going to make America great. But he didn't. He's actually making America hate. Society, like, I, I try, I try to, to say, like, society is just, it's so, it's so fucked up, man. It's like, it just shows nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And I, I'm sorry if I'm wasting my time, your time rambling about this, but I just have to get, let my voice be heard. Black lives matter. Everyone's lives matter, okay? But I, I just, for the people, like, I, I, don't even know what I could say right now. I really don't. Like, every, like, can we just get along? Like, yes, the guy got arrested. That's not enough. That's not enough. He has to be locked up. He has to take responsibility. It's not just one. It's three of them. They have to take responsibility. Firing them is not going to work. Like, seriously. Let, like, just... Have them come forward. Take responsibility. Let this riot shit be over with. That's the only way you can end this. Like, don't burn down houses. Don't vandalize people's cars. Like, come on. Like, I, I, I hate seeing shit like this. Like, what, ha what, what are we doing? Like, how can we prevent this? Does the whole hum human race society have to be... Like, exterminated for people to understand this? And it's gonna be too little too late? What do, what do we have to do? I'll, I'll tell you what you gotta do. You got to, like... Like, if you're raised like I, I am, like... I respect anybody. Whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're from a different background, whether you're from Mexico, whether you're from India, what, Japanese, whatever. I respect all of you. I just want this to be over with. And and I want to go back to the police thing, but and I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be honest and I want to take a quote from Family Matters cuz I think it said it said it best. Like I don't know how people get badges and some want to serve and they want to protect, but some people just don't they want to try and get away with it cuz they're pinned to slime. They really are. And it really, I hate saying that because I can't even, tr like, you can't even trust an officer right now. You can't. Like, I, I just can't live with, if my family has to be pulled over by three, three cop cars and then you got six of them pretty much just worrying. Like, what's more, like, I just want life, man. Like, I want to be alive. It, I, it's really hard talking. Like, you could tell I'm trying to put it in words. I, I just don't know what I can think of right now. I want people to understand, like, all this... Like, I'm, I'm all in for a peaceful... I like peace protest. I don't want violence and all that other shit. But, like, what I want people to do, vote... For the right people. Vote for people who actually give a shit. About this country. Vote for people who actually give a shit about you. Don't vote for people who takes it and just has it as a title and abuses it. I hate people who abuses power. Like, if you don't vote, I am telling you right now. You're going to see the same shit over and over and over again. Enough. 
Literally. Enough is enough. I'm tired. I've had it. Like, I had enough. That's all I asked for. Stay home. Like, if you feel... If you fear that your life may be in danger, just stay the fuck home. If you're at these, um... If you're at these, um... Like, if there's riots going in your area, stay home. And I hope everybody, like, I hope people in Minnesota, like, if you're staying at home, I hope you guys are safe. I hope everybody is safe. My heart goes out to George Floyd's family and friends, and I hope we get justice. I want justice. It needs to happen. You can't just hide from it. And hold that responsibility for the rest of your life. And because sooner or later, some people will literally hunt you down. And you don't want that. Are you going to hide behind your your faults? Or are you going to come up and take responsibility? I ask you. I ask you. Stop hiding. Speak the fuck up. And that's all I'm going to say on that. I'm sorry if I have to open this episode like this. Because this is something that really fucking bothers me. With society. It, and I just said it back then. Nothing has changed. Nothing. We Everybody has to do better. I say it here every single time. We have to do better than this. <sighs> Sorry. I, I just had to say what I gotta say. This is episode 67 of No One's Ready for Wrestling. I'm your host, Shino D. Phoenix. I just had to let all that out. I had to let all that out. I just can't. Hide behind my own words. I'd rather tell you how I'm feeling right now because this is what I'm thinking of with society. But I want to thank you guys for um, tuning in. And um, got a lot, not that much to discuss. Just give my honest take about some of the shows. Um, I do have my thoughts on this whole Alexa Bliss, JD from New York, uh, situation, what my stance is on this and, um, what we can learn from this. Um, I will talk about the Jeff Hardy situation. I know people were offended by that, but I'm going to give you my, uh, exact, uh, reasons for this angle that they did on SmackDown, but. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, social media, you can follow me on the Twitter. At Shino D Phoenix. That's where I'm at. I'm very thankful for people who are... Like, I ran into some great people here on Twitter. Been getting shouted out. And it just and saying I'm a positive influence for you guys. That that really warms my heart. I, I really appreciate that because... You don't get, like, there are a lot of people out there that that uses social media as a cesspool of negativity, and it's full of it. I mean, you can't control it, but there are people out there that are positive, and they, that they care for their uh, followers, so, like, I'm glad that there's people like that, but you could follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. If you are an Instagram user, you can follow me at CoolManSip. Um, for Facebook, go to No One's Ready for Wrestling, like the page, and um, that's where you get updates. On episode 70, episode 70, I'm going to do 
um, a mailbag question. So if you want to email me your questions, you could uh, do so at the one and only Phoenix1993 at gmail.com. Include your name and where you're from. That way I can shout you out on this show because I care so much for my listeners and you guys are the reason why I keep doing this. So I can't thank y'all enough for that. So without further ado, let's um, start with the show. We're going to talk about Hangman Page and he has a message for people who are not wearing a mask in public and I find this to be hilarious but true. Now, the AEW World Tag Team Champion tweeted out an address to anyone who doesn't wear a mask in this pandemic that we're in. Now, it doesn't matter what your reason might be for not wearing a mask when you're out. And this is pretty much what he said. I typically look for the good in people, but if you're refusing to wear a mask in public as some kind of act of defiance, then you can eat my ass. And, like, look at the pandemic wearing, guys. Wear your mask when you're outside, if you're going out. Like, I'm not asking for much. I'm no doctor here, but look, if you're not going to wear a mask, you're pretty much getting yourself at risk of this uh, vi- this virus. And um, all I can say is, what's more important? You want to be defiant? It's going to come back and bite you in the ass. Take care of your health. That's all I say time and time again. And and I, I'm I'm in an agreement with Hangman Page. Wear your mask wherever you go, please. I'm not asking for much. Now Matt Hardy, he talks about Darby Allen and who I think is one of my absolute favorites coming in AEW. Now he was interviewed on Wrestling Inc. and Matt Hardy s- stated that he can see the resemblance to uh, Jeff Hardy, even in a way. Allen is off camera. And this is what Matt Hardy said, and I quote, I do see that, and Jericho actually said to me early on before I went to AEW, and after meeting Darby and speaking to him off camera, he has so many qualities that my brother has. He's He really has the spirit of, hey, this is who I am. If you like me, that's cool. If not, I don't give a shit. He's carefree in that mentality and is a cool cat that doesn't get shook. He's very much, he very much reminds me of a young Jeff Hardy. And Darby, he's only 27 years old. He, and I literally see the, like you can see the resemblance. The dude is a risk taker, much like Jeff Hardy. And I, Matt's right. I, I see, like we all see Jeff Hardy when we think of Darby Allen. The dude is fucking insane. Like he wasn't double or nothing. He is not going to let anybody hold him back. He's going to be him and that's what I love. And that's like I... (laughs) What what do you want me to say? But Darby Allin, I, I say it time and time again. He has a bright future in this company. And we're going to talk about the TNT Championship with Cody even though I said it in nauseam on Double or Nothing when I talked about that. But, <clears throat> moving on, we got an announcement from our favorite Le Champion, Chris Jericho. So, we got a new 
We got a rock and wrestling rager at sea. Cruise to have a great time, which I enjoyed. I thought, like, I mean, I wish I was there. I wish I could be a part of it. Heard a lot of people said it's fun. I might think about it one day. I really might think about it. So Jericho announced that on February 1st, 2021, they will set sail and they will conclude their voyage on February 5th. You got Ted DiBiase, Brad Williams, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Bully Ray. More were confirmed in the first wave of guests. And it's going to be a loaded cruise. And I can't wait to see what they got. I think this is going to be... Excuse me. I think this is going to be really fun. And we all know AEW is going to be involved because... It was just a breath of fresh air. I thought this was amazing, but I can't see what they. I can't wait to see what they do next when everything is uh, back to normal. Moving on, <clears throat> AEW star went home early for personal reasons, and this is from Body Slam. They reported that um, Phoenix went home due to personal reasons, and Tony Khan stated following Double or Nothing that Phoenix isn't expected to miss much time due to his injury that kept him off double or nothing. Um, at this time, AEW is still waiting for Pentagon Jr. and Pac to return to reunite Death Triangle. I, I miss Death Triangle. I think it's fantastic. But um, this faction is currently on hiatus as both of them are still out of the country. And look, I don't know what Phoenix's personal reason is, uh, but... Hopefully, everything is situated. And I think Phoenix is great. But take care of your personal shit, bro. That's all I'm going to add on to that. Just take care of your personal shit. Um, if you watched AEW Dark or Dynamite, you notice the HBO Max sign uh, right on the, the aprons, the uh, turnbuckles, and all that other stuff. And I'm asking, are we going to see AEW on HBO Max? Now, several months ago, AEW signed a new contract with TNT. And it was announced that they would be getting a second hour of programming. And the belief is that at this time, was that AEW Dark would move to TNT. And it's almost been six months and the show still airs on their YouTube channel. But it looks like Dark or some version of AEW programming could end up on a streaming service soon enough. During the mailbag portion of the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer was asked about the possibility of the AEW program and moving to HBO Max. Meltzer responded, As of two weeks ago, or ten days ago, there was nothing signed. It's certainly an impression that it's a possibility, but there's no deal as of them. As of then. Now, there may be one coming up at some point. Now, in January... Turner President Kevin Riley said that Dark would be readapted for TNT uh, with some behind-the-scenes and docu-follow materials to tell stories about the wrestlers. And I think that might be it. Possibly their backstory, that way people could understand, but I mean, I don't know if I might get HBO Max. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Now, TNT programming will be part of the HBO Max launch, which I believe is out right now. So if you want to get that, I don't know, that's on you. But 
if we do get AEW Dark moved to HBO Max, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, it's it's fine for what it is, to say the least. But, I mean, I don't know what else I can add here. That's just me being honest. And speaking of AEW Dark, let's um, go through the results. We had... The Natural Nightmares taking on the Beaver Boys, um, <clears throat> the Dark Order of John Silver and uh, Alex Reynolds. The thing that got my attention was Allie. Apparently, she's playing mind games with QT Marshall. I don't know if she's face now. Like, maybe the bunny has been, like, the butcher, the blade, the bunny. I believe that's coming. That came to an end. I don't know. Maybe it's just it's her trying to get through QT Marshall. I'm just throwing that idea out there because she also was at ringside. Like she was also in the crowd with uh, Dustin, QT, Brand, and Brandy. So, I don't know what is going on, but I'm kind of intrigued. We had, um, they defeated John Silver and Alex Reynolds. This was okay. I thought it was alright for what it was. We had Michael Necker, 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 Sour. Take it on Brandon Cutler. This match ended in a countout. Nakazawa won because it seems like Brandon Cutler can't seem to get a win. So Peter Avalon, he's coming out. He's laughing at him, calling him the worst wrestler in AEW. And he wants to prove that he can get a win before um, before uh, Brandon Cutler. So they have their little storyline going about who's going to get the win first. So, Peter Avalon took on Jungle Boy. I thought, Jungle Boy is fucking fantastic. This, uh, that's a mission he did. My God. It is a thing of beauty. And I loved every second of it. Um, Peter Avalon, once again, loses. So, I'll let you guys take a guess. Who do you think is going to get their first win? Peter Avalon or uh, Brandon Cutler? I'm going to say Brandon Cutler. I think he's going to get the uh, first win. Some some way, somehow, he's going to get the first win. We had Christopher Daniels defeating Brittany Nicole's favorite, Serpentico. <laughs> I have to throw it out there, because why not? Um, we had Sonny Kiss and Joy Janela. They teamed up to take on John Schuyler and Brady Pierce. They defeated them, and I don't know. This may be a new tag team. Might, uh... Find out. Sonny Kiss and uh, Joey Janela? Hmm, I get used to. Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, they defeated uh, Fabu, Andre, and Tony Donati. Um, Wardlow, he killed Grimm. He knocked this guy out and just finished him off with an F10. That's it. Cabana, he defeated Lee Johnson. Penelope Ford got a win over... I'm sorry if I pronounced this wrong. Killing King. And finally, Best Friends. They defeated Alan Angels and Sean Dean. For And this was AEW Dark. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite. And um, the streak is over. Usually it will be 100%, but not anymore. 89% of you said it was a thumbs up show. 11% of you said it was thumbs down. And I could tell you why people say that it's because of the ending and we'll talk about that later but um, the show opened with the inner circle 
they're outside in the arena with a truck behind them, and it's and when they opened it, it was revealed to be a whole box of boxes of the uh, stadium stampede shirt for the inner circle to use for the pep rally. And look, I love pep rallies. I mean, I don't know, if I could just tell you a little story. It was during my senior year in high school. Um, we had a pep rally, and you know how they all always have to hype the crowd for these big games, every football game. And when we won, I'll never forget this. We run around, we always ran around the gym and I was the fastest one. Be like, Speedy. They were like, Speedy, get ready, get ready. And when they said the seniors, we ran like crazy. And I was just the first run. Like I literally just jumped out of the bleachers and just ran straight uh, around the uh, arena. Like I was some track like, I was running in track or something. And, no, I don't do track. So, that's a little known fact. Um, anyway. So, the Young Bucks and Matt Hardy, well, before this, broken Matt Hardy went through two character change. He went from Extreme Matt, which the Young Bucks like, nah, try something different. And the OG version of Matt Hardy. And that's what they like, and they got it. So, Matt Hardy, OG... And the Young Bucks defeated Private Party and Joey Janela. There was one spot in the match where people were concerned for Mark Quinn. Apparently, there were talks that he might have injured his knee. It's all a work. It's all a work. So, don't worry. He's fine. And there was another part where I believe Matt Jackson accidentally super kicked the Butcher. The Blade. Yeah, it's all a monster. Thanks a lot for that. And... It is going to play a part to what happened in the end. More bang for your buck. Young Bucks, Matt Hardy win. Matt Hardy uh, accompanied Mark Quinn out of the uh, the ring to help him out, to give him some assistance. The Butcher and the Blade came out. They attacked um, the Young Bucks. But all of a sudden, you see a black, a black car coming. And I didn't know who it was at first. And then, oh my God. Say yeah. FTR is here in all elite wrestling. And you look at that tag team division right now in AEW. This is just fucking amazing. Look, think of the matches. Think of the matches you could get with FTR in all elite wrestling. Of course, the number one is the Young Bucks. FTR versus Jurassic Express. FTR versus SCU. FTR versus um the Hybrids. FTR versus the Lucha Bros. FTR versus the best friends. And who knows? Maybe when they get that ranking up and they become number one in the rankings, they might be the ones to beat Hangman Page and Omega. I'm just throwing that out there. I think that would be a great idea. And I even mentioned, can you imagine? Can you imagine um, Arn Anderson... Turning on Cody Rhodes. And he manages FTR. I think that would be great. (laughs) I hope it happens. I really hope that's what we get. So. We thought they were going to attack the Young Bucks. But they attacked the Butcher and the Blade. Hit a spiked tombstone and I believe they hit a shatter machine and they just stood in the ring with the young bucks and I believe it was 
Dax Harwood's tweet that really spoke out. One day we're going to be standing in the same ring with the Young Bucks. And lo and behold, here we are. We're in the same ring with the Young Bucks. And I'm just so excited. I literally got goosebumps just talking about it right now. This is fantastic. This is a great gift for AEW right here. Brian Cage, he drill clawed the living shit out of Lee Johnson, who is the punching bag for AEW. And Taz, man, he cut a fantastic promo. I thought this was excellent. Taz says, Moxley, I respect you and every, and I respect everything that you did in your career, but you're going to be dealing with someone different now, and his name is Brian Cage, the machine. He wants Moxley to bring that grit and that heart at Fighter Fest because Cage wants to rip his heart out. And I love this ending right here. Beat him if you can. Survive if he lets you. Excellent. This is perfect. Uh, now, you're in this predicament right now. Coming in, Going into Fighter Fest. Moxley cannot lose. Brian Cage cannot lose. So, what do you got to do? Plain and simple. You got to find a clean way. Like, not a clean way, but a protective way to keep the belt on Moxley with Cage looking great in defeat. Now, I do want to see Brian Cage with the AEW world title and running roughshod on the entire division. And who knows? We might get the match that everybody wants. We might get the machine versus the best bout machine. Machine versus machine. The cleaner, the one-winged angel himself, Kenny Omega. One-on-one. mono imano. Let's make it happen. My role model, my favorite, Britt Baker. Mm, Britt Baker, but look, I love Hika- I love Britt Baker, but I'm more of a Hikaru Shida. But <laughs> she comes out, well, not come out. She was wheeled out by Rebel. And she has this chart of rules of being a role model. And do you just love it when Britt Baker just teases Tony Schiavone? If I were to sit down and just chat with Britt Baker, what what was the, what? I would just say, what idea was that? Who gave you that uh, idea? Maybe it was you. Maybe it's Tony Khan. Maybe it's Chris Jericho. But speaking of which, this conspiracy thing, I have I I think this is a Jericho approved idea. I I believe so. So. The third rule is you don't put your hands, you don't injure the role model. She talks about the assault on her on the go-home show of Double or Nothing. And it wasn't an accident, but a conspiracy that goes far and beyond. She has a picture claiming to be a three-on-one assault when technically it was pretty much Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida throwing Nyla Rose to Britt Baker. Now, she talks about Chris Statlander saying... You being an alien is a crock of shit. I laughed at that. She calls Hikaru Shida a fraudulent champion as she carries a kendo stick and talks about Nyla saying that she has to come off the top rope a hundred times and she could have gotten away with it. Couldn't have got away with her leg. Conspiracy, ladies and gentlemen. We see Rebel grabbing a cork board and she calls it the web of evils. And you see all these red 
like you see all these red um lines pointing to one referee and Aubrey Edwards. And she literally says it's because she, every time she's around, she gets injured. And she announces that she's going to put the entire women's division on notice and she'll return at all out. So, thankfully, the injury is not serious as people feared. And Britt Baker is doing the best work in her entire career. And this heel role is picture perfect. I I literally could see her taking the title off of Hikaru Shida and carrying that women's division by being the role model like... uh, by being the best role model right here. <laughs> Britt Baker's great. And I want to mention, right after she left, you could see her wheelchair saying role uh, model, which is not R-O-L-E, it's R-O-L-L model. So, <laughs> I love that. We had Ikaru Shida. She took on Christy Janes. I love Christy Janes. I think she's unique. I think that would be a great gift for the women's division because right now it could it really needs some work right now. Um look, I thought this was good. It was okay. Hikaru was gonna win anyway, and I know people were saying, Why is she why is Christy Janes getting so much offense? Why is Hikaru Shida selling for Christy Janes? I look, I hope um I hope that this is just them looking at Christy James and saying, we might think of signing you. Because I think she could bring some uniqueness. I met Christy James before. Really nice woman. And look, if there's another person they want to bring coming out of Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, um, hey, uh, call Tenara, but I'm not going to say she should go straight to AEW, but that's on them. Hikaru wins, did the deal with the Falcon Arrow, and that was pretty much it. It was just a showcase for the champion to be a, well, Hikaru being a fighting AEW women's champion. And I like it. I like it. Who, who's her next uh, feud? I don't know. Maybe Penelope Ford. We're just going to have to find out. Cody. Cody Rhodes. He's being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Asked why Brady is, well, Cody asked Tony. Why is Tom Brady his favorite quarterback? Um, let me tell you, Cody. Um, I have a favorite quarterback here in Louisiana, and his name is Drew Brees. Just, just throwing that out there. Uh, sorry about that for you football fans. I'm a Drew Brees guy. Um, now it's not because he's well liked in Boston, and he's not welcome back in Connecticut. Wink, wink. He's well liked. No, no, I already said that. He talks about not being the first, second. Or third person when someone wants to create a wrestling company with the greatest wrestlers on the planet. It isn't a story about nepotism. It's of a 21-year-old kid who was called up when he barely knew how to hit the ropes. He didn't get the dominant genes. He's not Simba. Like, he talked about his brother having a little bit of dusty... Well, having the dusty genes in him, but... He got an angry mother at home with a broken ankle... broken ankle and she's walking around she taught Cody grit and what it means to fight so he says that every week he'll defend the TNT championship uh, in an open challenge now speaking of which there was a released WWE star who could potentially tease a shot against Cody 
And it's formerly Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, saying open challenge with what with the eyes emoji. So we might be seeing that. I could I don't I wouldn't mind that. I think that would be great. Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc versus SCU. This is a number one contenders match for the AEW Tag Team Championships, which will take place next week. This was okay. I mean, it, it's fine. Kip, Sa- Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, they beat SCU, and they're going to be challenging Hangman Page and Omega. So, it, here's the thing that bugs me a little bit. If Best Friends won the number one contendership for the uh, AEW Tag Team titles on the Double or Nothing buy-in, why are we having a number one contenders match for here with Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc when we already got a number one contender crowned? Like, I don't know what's going on. Is, like, I know next week they're going to do Hangman Page and uh, Omega versus Sabian and Havoc. Maybe they're saving best friends for Fighter Fest. I don't know. I I think that's what they might be doing. I mean, I'm not gonna complain about it. I mean, it just man, my brain is already hurting thinking about this. Um, moving on, we got a battle royal to determine who will be facing Cody next week for the TNT Championship, and just gonna go over the participants. We got MJF. Wardlow, Cole Cabana, Jurassic Express, which is Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt, Luther, Sonny Kiss, Billy Gunn, and Christopher Daniels. So, to go by the order of elimination, Luther, he got eliminated by Luchasaurus, Sonny Kiss got eliminated by Wardlow, Cole Cabana was eliminated next, and there was an interesting development after that. So, he was handed a flyer, to join the Dark Order. Yeah, I don't think that's not going to happen. I, I, I cannot picture Cole Cabana in the Dark Order. That, that's I, I can't see that. Christopher Daniels, he got eliminated. Followed by Marco Stunt. Then Billy Gunn. Then Luchasaurus. And then we were down with the Final Four. Orange Cassidy, by the way, I totally forgot to mention him. Orange Cassidy, he got taken out by... Proud and powerful because he moseyed casually, walked during an interview with the Inner Circle, and Jericho was pissed. Um, So the final four were Wardlow, MJF, Jungle Boy, and Orange Cassidy. MJF and Wardlow got eliminated because they don't need the TNT Championship. They're undefeated right now. Well, MJF is undefeated right now. And their main focus should be MJF versus Jon Moxley. For the AEW world title. Um, Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy. This was some great shit. But Jungle Boy gets the win. He will challenge Cody next week. For the TNT Championship. And Jungle Boy is fantastic. Like if I could find this the tweet I said about Jungle Boy. Because I think it speaks so much volumes. About how I feel of his... Uh, of Jungle Boy. So give me a second. Let me see if I can find it. And I did. He'll be earning a sh- Like you can tell the people backstage are high on Jungle Boy. Because the dude is fucking fantastic. 
And I guarantee you, Cody's going to make him look like a million bucks. And I'm going to say this every time. The person who should take the title off of Cody is Darby Allen. It should happen at All Out. It shouldn't happen at Fighter Fest. Let Cody get a decent run with the title. Have him not run through everybody, but don't overdo the... Uh, well, you're going to bring prestige if you do an open challenge, so I'm not going to complain about that. But um, all I can say is save this for All Out. Build up Darby. Let him challenge Cody because it writes itself. Darby has never beaten Cody, and he needs the TNT title. And Cody could be the heel. Darby could be the face. I'm okay with it. Sign me the hell up. Then we get the pep rally. Pep rally. With the inner circle. You had the Jacksonville Jaguar cheerleaders. I mean, let... If you could pick... If you're a cheerleader and you want to get into the wrestling business, I mean, you're going to have the huge advantage because of your athletic abilities. I mean, let's be honest. But I could see one of them becoming a, a wrestler in AEW one day. One of them. I don't know who, but we'll find out. Vicky Guerrero, everyone's favorite, excuse me! And I love when they showed, get your earplugs ready, because you know how loud Vicky is. She introduces the inner circle, member by member. And so they're in the ring. They're throwing these t-shirts, but they're getting thrown back, because nobody wants the inner circle t-shirt. I mean, look, I I want an inner circle t-shirt just because it's Jericho. And they started to get frustrated. Well, mostly Jericho. Um, Guevara, he gave them trophies, which had, um, if I'm correct, World's Funniest Dad on each of them. And he said, um, it was hard to find good trophies because of this pandemic we're in. Santana, he gives gifts uh, to his members. Hager, he got the Timbaland boots. Um... The VIX for Sammy, a burrito for Ortiz, and a photo of Mark Anthony for Jericho. And Jericho literally says, Mark Anthony, I like this guy. <laughs> oh, I love Jericho. Jericho, he gave Sammy a scooter instead of the crutch. Like, he said, toss those crutches out here. Take the scooter instead. Um, He gave Ortiz a big pair of headphones since he got his bell rung at double or nothing. You got Hager reading a poem, which I thought was entertaining. And Sammy G asks, look, we gave everybody gifts. What about you? What do you want? Um, and Jericho's response, he wants Mike Tyson's head on a platter. And he hasn't forgotten what Tyson did to him 10 years ago on a Monday night, which is Monday Night Raw when he, it was Jericho and Tyson versus DX and Tyson turned on him by giving him a straight right, and boom, there we go. Continuity and using another promotion. I don't have a problem with this. Now, he dreamt getting his hands on Tyson's fat head, and Sammy said, look, I couldn't get Tyson's head on a platter, but I got you a cheese platter and some bubblies, which was eaten. They were eaten, and they've been drank. And Jericho's like, what kind of sick man would do this? So out came Mike Tyson with his entourage. And can I just say it again? Mike Tyson looks, he looks in great 
fucking shape, even in his age. And this is where things get weird. So Tyson and his entourage, they're in the ring. And we got this huge brawl that they're trying to emanate Tyson and Steve Austin. Like, you can't do that. Like, you can't. You can't emanate that. Um, All I can say is the ending, cheesy. Pep Rowley was fine, but I, I, just fu- I just felt that this is just corny as hell. Now, speaking of which, before we get into um, the other stuff, I, I thought the show was good, but Mike Tyson and AEW, I think this is going to be a little bit intriguing. Him feuding with the Inner Circle, hmm, we'll find out. But there's another person, another famous fighter who wants in on AEW. Chris Cyborg. You know, the same woman who called out Becky Lynch, who expressed interest in WWE. And now she's paying close attention to AEW. And this is all she tweeted. That crew needs a woman representation. So, I don't know. We might be getting Chris Cyborg. That would be intriguing. An MMA f- MMA fighter transitioning to wrestling. And Chris Cyborg going to AEW. That could work. I'm okay with it. Let's make it happen. Now, my good buddy, Jim Ross. Jim Ross. I want to mention two things about him. He revealed um, on the Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez that AEW was going to have a house shows or live events in 2020 before this outbreak came. Now, it's intriguing I know we talked about WWE doing live events and it pretty much puts it, it's a risk injury risk because you're having to work through the bone every single day I mean I'll say the same thing about AEW maybe they want to do it for the lower card I don't know but I, I just think is house shows even necessary I don't think so that's just how I feel but JR said, absolutely. I think that's the plan. I know that there were some live events penciled into the schedule before this pandemic. You can get better. Like, you can't get better working one night a week. Nobody. I don't care who you are. Um, <clears throat> Ross did acknowledge that there are some minor exceptions, such as Jericho, who he doesn't think needs to be working multiple nights a week. He thinks Jericho can be great one night a week. However, Ross does understand the importance of house shows for talent as they need to work and do so under the supervision of the coaches in AEW. Now, the reason for that is to relearn some of the fundamentals, such as slowing down, using more psychology, and selling. Ross noted how someone can be wrestling for 10 years, but that doesn't mean the talent is a 10-year veteran because... A talent could have the same experience 10 times. Now, JR said, house shows are important for us, I think, to develop talent, especially, and I understand that, and revenue going forward. Who the hell knows when that's going to be? It's not going to be any time soon. Like, I, I don't know, maybe after this pandemic they might announce some house shows, but I would say limit it a little bit. Don't do too much because you don't want to end up like WWE. Just less is more. But 
is it like I said? It, I don't think it's necessary to do house shows, but I understand Jr.'s point of view. You want the talent to improve, like with the lower card. If you're not using some of them, if they sign and you see some of the new names that you're not familiar with, I, I mean, I get it. It's all about improving in the ring with house shows. I get it. But another thing I have with house shows is that it's a risk of someone might getting injured. That's how I'm feeling right now. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think AEW should do house shows? Yes or no? Now, JR again. He talked about the differences between don't Tony Khan and good old Vince McMahon. Now... JR was asked about Vince McMahon and Tony Khan, how Vince McMahon and Tony Khan operate, and he boiled it down to what they drink to give an idea of how different their approach is to things. Now, <clears throat> this is a great analogy right here. Vince drinks Dewar's scotch. So you got a hard scotch drinker, and when he drinks or a red wine, and Tony is a white claw. It's a generational thing. Guys in Vince in my demographic, have been drinking scotch and red wine for forever. But Tony is a White Claw guy. He said that Tony Khan has a different experiences than Vince McMahon did. He represents the mindset of a newer generation writing a pro wrestling television show that he would love to see. This is different from Vince McMahon, who is doing the same in WWE, but the content that WWE is coming up with is devised by a 74-year-old man. There's a lot of differences between Vince McMahon and Tony Khan. I could give you the differences. Tony Khan cares. Vince McMahon doesn't. Tony Khan cares about the future. Vince McMahon doesn't. Tony Khan cares about the younger talents, and they want to push them. He wants to push them into the next big thing in professional wrestling. Vince McMahon relies on the same people and overexposing them to the point where we won't care about them anymore. Tony Khan listens to the fans. Vince McMahon does not. He cares. Tony cares about the people he got. Vince McMahon cares about himself and he doesn't give a shit what the people want. Like, (laughs) should I go on? I think it's self-explanatory. You guys know. And Tony Khan is a, is great. I hope I if I meet him, I want to shake his hands. I'm tell, tell him right now. What you're doing with AEW is great. I'm loving this alternative. And as much as I like the WWE and I want them to get better, this is a great alternative for me as a wrestling fan. So if I ever meet him, I want to shake his hand and just tell him thank you for giving us this. Because this is amazing. New Japan. You want a definition of how to run a business, right? Look at New Japan. Their parent company cut executive pay up to 95%. But here's the thing. Nobody got fired. Now, the world is still feeling the financial pains from this CV-19. The pandemic caused a ton of disruption to society. But New Japan's parent company, Bushiroad, carried on without releasing a single employee. (laughs) And 
their board of directors did receive a huge cut. New Japan announced that Bushi Road board of directors took a pay cut from between 15 to 95 percent. That is a very wide margin, but it depended on the employee. The cut will be for a five month period from May through September. Other employee salaries and bonuses were also cut. Many of Bushi Road's companies had to slash advertising budgets as well. New Japan will return to the ring shortly, which I'm hoping because I can't live a life, well, a year without New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, I want to see my Will Ospreay. I want to see my Okada. I want to see Hiroma. I want to see Tanahashi. Naito. Fucking Kenta. And Suzuki. I want to see that. Like, I, I miss, I really miss New Japan. Um, but they might have to run shows in an empty venue until fans can return. So, I'm curious to see how New Japan is going to handle these empty empty arena shows when things, when they get the clearance to uh, put on shows. Now, as I mentioned, WWE announced their pay cuts for their executives, and they also went through the widespread company releases and furloughs, and one of them being... Being Nigel McGinnis, which I might as well just spill the beans right now. Nigel McGinnis is furloughed. That's why you haven't been seeing him on uh, NXT that much. And if I could find that, please bear with me because... <clears throat> I just can't believe that Nigel is getting... Uh, he- here it is. Here it is. Now, he's no longer working for WWE as he's among the names that have been furloughed. So that means he's not re- he's technically not released. He's just his pay is just cut. That's all. Meltzer reported on the Wrestling Observer newsletter that he joins the list of names that have been furloughed or released by the company due to the budget cuts related to this pandemic. Now, the majority of the cuts took place in April, but many talents and staff who worked under the NXT banner were not publicly released by WWE during this time like main roster stars were. He's been doing color commentary for NXT's UK brand alongside Andy Shepard. And due to this pandemic, WWE hasn't been able to tape new episodes of NXT UK, but rather air a best of compilation that have been hosted by Shepard only. Now, over the past few months, WWE has been forced to cancel NXT UK tapings and there's still no word yet on when WWE will be able to um, tape new episodes on the show due to travel issues. Now, McGinnis, he signed with WWE in late 2016, where he worked his first WWE shows during the UK Championship Tournament in early 2017. He also worked as a commentator for 205 Live, main event, in addition to NXT UK. It's been reported that some people who were furloughed by WWE could be bought back once the company starts running events with fans. And don't worry, we're going to talk about them using fans before we talk about Monday Night Raw. But Nigel McGinn is furloughed. Hopefully he's, like, all I can say is this. I don't want to see this guy out of a job. I think he's really great on color commentary. On NXT, he adds a lot. I just can't wait until things are back to normal. And hopefully hopefully they don't fully cut this guy. I think he's great on commentary. 
Now, let's move on from that, and I want to talk about Hanukkah again. It's been a week, man, and I, I still, still to this day, I, I, I miss her, man. I, I really do. But Japan, they're actually, like, they're actually, um, could create, um, a law on cyberbullying. And this is something I like to hear. Hanukkah death can never be reversed. She died after taking her own life due to online bullying on a reality television show, which, um, right now, it's pretty much on hold. I'm hearing that it's, it could be canceled because of this. And the pro wrestling world reacted in a huge way, and I'm still thinking about Kyrie. Um, I know Kyrie's taking it so hard because... Honestly, I think she felt like if I could have been there, this wouldn't have happened. And she really... And I'm just hoping that she's okay. Because that is her close friend right there. And even if she's away from uh, from Japan, you know she still, ha- she still has her heart with her friends in stardom. Now, whether they knew Hana or not, she was a much bigger star in Japan and was reaching mainstream status. Stardom wanted her on this house, re- the Terrence House reality television show, and she was positioned as one of the company's hottest young stars. Dave Meltzer mentioned on Wrestling Observer Radio that Hanakamura's death sparked a movement in Japan, and there is now a call to write a law that will make online bullying legal. That's what I want. That's what we need. This could create an actual consequences for those who feel they can say whatever they want online without any repercussions. Or what they might do, they might delete their account and literally, like, literally fucking, what should I say? Delete their account and pretend like nothing happens and start a new one and they won't know better. Now, Melissa said, and I quote, this, this suicide is a result of cyberbullying because that's what it was. That's what she put in her suicide note. It became, it's become a much bigger situation in Japan because apparently there's now people trying to pass a law that if you harass or make threats to someone on this level, that you can be prosecuted. In fact, there's a ton of people who I guess were threatening her and they try to delete their accounts and I guess what they found found out is that you still leave a footprint. So a lot of those people who harassed her into doing what she did are scared now. Now a lot of the mainstream Japanese celebrities have really talked up the idea on social media about holding online bullies accountable for what they say. The trolls might try to delete their tweets or their entire Twitter account. And it's not just that. They might just delete their entire social media. Whether it's Instagram or Facebook. Hiding behind. Like um. Random numbers to. Make smart remarks. And be a troll to get attention. And trying to. Bring someone's spirits down. Like ain't gonna fly with me. And I hope. They pass that law. And it's not just here. I hope. This. I hope um. We get a law about this as well. Because enough is enough. We're not going to take it. 
And and Bliss commented about it, and they need to be held accountable as well. So, like literally, this is what Bliss said. I posted this back in January, and it's important to remind people that cyberbullying is a real thing. And that your words carry a lot, whether you mean them to or not. I didn't know Hanukkah personally, but my heart breaks for her and her family. And I've seen on social media, on social, the amount of lives she's impacted. It's time to hold people accountable for their words and actions online. Sometimes people forget that no matter what character we may portray on TV or in the ring is just that. A character. Everyone is a real person with real feelings. If you're suffering from any kind of bullying or cyberbullying, reach out to someone. And I think that's what we all need to do. But Stardom, they um issued an information on um <clears throat> on Hanukkah Morris funeral. And this is what they got. Regarding the funeral of Hanukkah Mora, we will not be announcing the date and time nor the place according to the wishes of the bereaving family. We appreciate the consideration of the media and fans. The bereaving family expresses their deep gratitude to the fans who supported Hanukkah Mora and although the date and time of the, of the even is currently undecided due to the uh, pandemic. A memorial service will be held for Hanukkah Mora. And Hanukkah Mora, like this is what they said. Now Hanukkah Mora's life should be celebrated for what she accomplished in such a short time and the fantastic personality she was. And she is really, really um nice. Like, like I could tell you that um I mean, I, I wish I met her, but you could tell she brought so much energy, so much joy when she's around everybody. And uh, hopefully we they get a law that's, that passes so we don't have to see stuff like that ever happening again. And the people who are hiding behind social media should be held accountable. But hopefully, like, it's just sad. This is society, and I don't like it. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully we get um, this law passed. Now, <clears throat> moving on. Dark Side of the Ring. There's going to be a season three, so you could jump for joy, guys. And it's held up due to, you guessed it, the pandemic. Um, while speaking of Sports Illustrated, executive producer Evan Hutzney stated that everyone's on board for season three. But this pandemic is holding up the production in a big way. Now, <clears throat> he said, and I quote, A third season is something everybody wants to do. Vice wants to make a season three. We would love to see it happen. And we're in those stages of conversation. Right now, there's a lot of question marks about the future of production. And even the future of the world. I'll show deals with a lot of travel. And we love to go international to places like Japan in season three. And I even gave one of, now this is just me adding, I gave an idea about talking about Misawa. I think that's going to be, 
one of the things to talk about for uh, season three. Um, but there is a lot of uncertainty in terms of that. I can say that all parties want to see this happen. And there is no shortage of stories for us to cover. We put a lot through and we put a lot of thought into it already. And we're getting ideas from people every minute on social media, which is awesome. Now, Dark Side of the Ring could continue for a long time as more pro wrestling legends are explored in greater detail. They might have done a lot of work by diving into the heart of those story, of these stories, but the pro wrestling industry is full of enough tales that could supply Dark Side of the Ring for a long time to come. And I think after this pandemic, literally after this pandemic is done, I can't wait for season three of Dark Side of the Ring. And I gave my idea, so if you didn't know, Here's my ideas. Misuhawa Masawa and his death, how that changed um, the pro wrestling world. We talk, I said China, um, the WWE steroids bust, um, Brian Pillman, his death, and the Diva search. And you could add, you could talk about Ashley Masaro, um, the death of Pero Aguayo Jr. Um,. Like, there's so many ideas, man. You could even do the death of Davy Boy Smith. Like, I'm, I don't know what other uh, tales you could think of, but this is some of my ideas. But I can't wait. Now, as a pro wrestling fan, you don't want to hear someone retire or due to a career-ending injury, but... I, I have to read this because it's something that it is really heartbreaking to hear. Now, in some rather sad news to report, uh, Welsh pro wrestler Sierra Loxton has been forced to retire. And it's sad that she was she's just 21 years old. Now, the 21-year-old had to step away from wrestling due to finding a fracture in her lower back. And discovered while healing from surgery due to an injury suffered at Pro Wrestling Eve's She Rules event. Now, she took to Twitter to announce the heartbreaking news, and I'm, I want to read it right now. Um, this is what we got. I just came out of the spiral cl- spinal clinic after um, speaking to my consultant. I've just found out that I have a new fracture in my lower back, and as a result of this, I'll never be able to compete in any in-ring activity. I've never cried so much in my life. Hearing this news has broken me. Trying to control my emotions and in front of my nan and telling her I'll be fine was so hard as I know she always supported me. I started wrestling training at the age of 15 and I was so scared and wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing. It took me ages to learn how to how to do any basics, i.e. roll, hold my balance, basically everything. Going wrestling was the best thing I've ever done. And at the age of 18, I made my wrestling debut, traveled to Germany, all around in the UK, made some amazing friends. I fell more in love with wrestling, broke some bones, but I made friends for life. 
Um, the people I have met will always stay in my heart and every single one of my fans. I am so grateful for all the support I have received. I will never forget any of it. I love you all so much. This may be the end from my, this may be the end for in-ring competition, but it's not the end within the wrestling business. I love you all. Sierra Loxton. And it's very sad to hear this. So but when there's when one door closes, another one opens. So hope that um that she finds a next chapter in her journey. She could be a manager. I could see that. Cause it's really I I really hate hearing stories about this. It's it's just heartbreaking, you know? So hopefully I hope she finds the next journey in the uh wrestling business, whether it's creative, whether it's um whether it's um being managing a wrestler. That's what I'm thinking. I would not mind that. So Sierra, wherever your next chapter is, I hope you find it. Now, I don't keep up with Impact as much as I want to. Like I wanna like see what they're doing there, but there's so much wrestling out there that it's just it's really hard, but I should take some time to watch Impact because Deanna Perrazzo is on Impact Wrestling. But it, but has she signed with the uh, company is the better question. Now, in an interesting move, it was revealed that recently released WWE superstar Deanna Perrazzo has joined Impact Wrestling. Now, during Tuesday's episode of Impact on Access TV, there's a vignette involving her where she announced that she has returned to the company. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select reported that although she has joined the promotion, she hasn't signed a contract with Impact Wrestling just yet. Instead, for now, she's working on a per-appearance basis to see how things work out. She's slated to work upcoming uh, set of TV tapings in Nashville. Her non-compete uh, clause with the WWE ended on Friday, May 22nd. However, it was noted that many expected it to be done on May 15th. But she was given the other date by WWE to be safe, whatever that means. Now, Parasso did an interview shortly after she was let go of the company where she discussed her uh, reasons for actually wanting to be released. And we already talked about that. And I, I've seen people, i literally seen people on <clears throat> social media bitching at Kenny Omega for not signing her. She's not under contract right now. Calm down. Okay, there you go. Will Deanna be in AEW soon? Absolutely. But it's just, you you fans, I don't know what it is. You're just too picky on who you want to see. <clears throat> not everybody should go to AEW, okay? Not everybody. I honestly feel... <clears throat> I honestly feel that I think Deanna's could do fine in Impact. I think she could bring a lot in that knockouts division, and I would like I like that. I think that's a great move on Impact's part. Now, if she does sign, that's a really gig, really big get for uh, Impact Wrestling, and I, I think this is um, I think she's gonna do great. 
So, <clears throat> that's all I'm going to say on that. So, to the people complaining about Kenny Omega not um getting, like, not getting Deanna Perrazzo, chill the fuck out, please. That's all I'm going to say on that. Now, I love my girl Lufisto. I think she's great. And I actually had the chance to interview her before I got into podcasting. So, just want to let you guys know on that. Now, some pro wrestlers work their entire life, their entire career, and they never make it to WWE. There are different reasons for every instance of never making it to Vince McMahon's company. Sometimes, sometimes a wrestler is blackballed from the company because someone in power doesn't want them around. Around, Take Lufisto for an example. And she explains what happened to her on Stiff Right Hand Podcast. And I even had the chance to tell her if there's any major wrestling promotion, we're going to read, I'm going to read that to you and what she said. And we're going to dissect this one as well. When it comes to WWE, a lot of people have bought up my name, but there, there's that one person who doesn't want me there. It's been stopping every attempt for me to do anything there. So I don't think that's going to happen. Now the host responded by saying politics are a bitch. And Lufisto continued, My ex-husband talked to someone who works there. And I'm not going to say their names. That person back then, he told my ex-husband because he asked him like, What's wrong with my wife? He's, he's like, absolutely nothing. She's politicked out. It was that clear. I was like, okay, fuck. That's why I was talking about depression because that's why, no, that's where it actually came from. Trying to figure out why does this person hate me? What did I say? Trying to find and go back in your memories like, was it this? Was it that? No. I went to the point of almost freaking out because I couldn't find anything. I spoke to Medusa about it a few months later and said, and she said, you have no idea how someone, someone to keep their jobs is going to say shit because they think you're a threat. I'm like, okay. Now, <clears throat> I, I did interview Lufisto on, um, on September 26, 2018, which was on Oscar's birthday, by the way, <clears throat> like, and I asked her this question. Are there any major wrestling promotions that you would like to work for? And this is before AEW was a thing. Um, <clears throat> She said, I think I could bring a lot to Lucha Underground back then. Impact Wrestling, I think she could do great in Impact Wrestling. I'm telling you right now. If they get Impact, if they get her on Impact, Jordan Grace versus Lufisto. Sign me up. Sign me up. Knockouts champion. I'm okay with that. Her versus Taya Valkyrie. Her versus um, Kylie Ray. Her versus um, Katie Forbes. Her versus Kiara Hogan. <clears throat> her versus Tasha Steeles. Deanna Perrazzo. <clears throat> she also said Ring of Honor. I, I have the experience to work with anyone. With any level of experience and knowledge. I can work heel or face in any type of matches. I could also say WWE for the same reason, but I know from a very reliable source that this is very unlikely since I've been strongly politicked out by someone. Same thing that she said. Very sad because I wish I knew 
how I wronged that person. You can't make things right when you don't know why this person hates you in the first place. And I always say this, like, whoever has a grudge with Lufisto, I want you to come forward if you are still employed. Because right now, can you imagine how Lufisto would add a lot to the women's division in any promotion? And before we even go to AEW, think of the matches she could have on NXT, on Raw, or SmackDown. Like, let's start with NXT. Lufisto versus Io Shirai. Tell me you do not want to see Lufisto versus Io Shirai. That's a match I would love to see. Lufisto versus Rhea Ripley. Lufisto versus Tegan Knox. Lufisto versus Dakota Kai. Shotzi Blackheart. Santana Garrett. Um, Mercedes Martinez. Like, on an, in a WWE ring. On Raw. People could say Charlotte Flair. People could say Becky Lynch. I will say Asuka. That is a match I would like to see. And you know what's funny? I, I think I tweeted this a while back. Because I really want to see it happening. Like have Asuka and Lufisto in the same d- ring together at WrestleMania. In a special attraction match or a takeover. Think of the... Like literally think of the reaction. Think of the outcome. Think of how the fans will gauge these two women in their history. Lufisto versus Kyrie Sane. Lufisto versus Bianca Belair. Lufisto versus Liv Morgan. Lufisto versus Sasha Banks. Lufisto versus Bailey. Lufisto versus Naomi. Like I don't know why someone have a, will have a grudge against her. I think she's great. I watched her in the ring live in person. And I literally said, you're one of the best to ever do it. And she is one of the nicest people that you will ever meet. I am telling you. Like, one day. One day, I, I really hope this... I want to make this a dream for myself. I want to have Lufisto here on this podcast. Like, if it's interviewing her, like, on... Like on Zoom or something. I mean, I would gladly be up for it. Because I will literally ask. If you got any questions for Lufisto, I will read them to you. I will read them to all of you. And I think she's great, man. If you bring her to AEW, can you imagine how much she can bring to that women's division, which is right now the weakest out of AEW? Look at what she's going to do. Her and Nyla Rose, her and uh, Britt Baker, D- um, Hikaru Shida, Riho, um, Penelope Ford, Big Swole, uh, Shanna, anybody. I think she could bring out the uh, best out of everyone. So if I'm W, like, I guarantee you, if WWE looks at Lufisto and be like, look, we got to get this woman, we got to get this woman. I mean, let forget what happened in the past. We didn't mean all that. I don't know who. Pu- who uh holotic you out of the business? We just want you. Like I, I can see WWE doing that because they don't want her to go to AEW, and she's one of the most talked about names in the in women's wrestling. She's a legend. She is a legend. Who wouldn't want Lufisto in their promotion? Hell, I will lobby for Lufisto to come to Wildcat, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because she could bring a lot, 
if there's a women's champion. I would gladly have Lufisto be my first champion. No offense, Katie Forbes. I'm sorry. But, yeah, she's been politicked out of this company. Out of WWE. She, I guarantee you she wanted to work there. Like, why not give it a chance? And you, I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. Depending on how creative it is. But, folks, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Amino. And uh, we're going to come back with part two. So, stay put, guys. I'll be right back. Alright guys, before we continue on with the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Amino. Now, you may be asking yourself, Hey, uh, Shino, what the hell is Amino? Well, it's an app that is pretty much a network of communities that you can explore, discover, and obsess over things that you like. Say that you love video games, you want to join the video game communities on Amino, they have it. You like music, they have it on here. Like different genres. Like, for me personally, wrestling. Wrestling is one thing I love, that I really love. And I'm part of Wrestling Amino and I met a lot of amazing people on here. So, and it's fun to interact with everybody because they are very friendly very friendly people out there so once again if you want to try out amino it is free i am part of wrestling amino right here and like this is where i got started before i got into podcasting so if you would like to download this app it is 100 free i am telling you it is worth it. Download the Amino app and hopefully I can see you guys on Wrestling Amino. And now, back to the show. So, on Memorial Day, we had um a little back and forth involving good old Alexa Bliss and... Another YouTuber, podcaster, JD from New York. Now, I know there are some people who like JD from New York. I know there are some people who hate JD from New York. And that's your opinion. That's your opinion. You can like the guy. You can hate the guy. Now, one IWC personality named JD had a very crude way of describing Alexa Bliss's in-ring work. And he compared it to sex while asking people to imagine being in bed with Bliss and said, and she performs the way, same way she does in the ring. Awful. He just, he says she just lays there. Now Bliss, now this is not from JD's Twitter account. This is from a troll account named Gay D. Literally, from Gay D206. Now she said, um, normally I ignore his ignorance because all he wants to do is be recognized by bashing me, but ex freaking excuse me, sir. This is Alexa Bliss responding. How dare you discredit my work in such a disgraceful way? Hashtag what a class act. Now, Bliss 
went on to explain that he's been blocked forever on my end. He's just one of those people who talks crap behind a microphone while waiting in line for picks at Access. Sonya Deville, she said, um, she hopes that she can meet this podcaster one day and you have Braun Strowman, uh, um, respond as well. Now, JD, he defended himself on Twitter like he always does, all right? And I'm not trying to shit on this guy. I mean, I've heard from many people, from Stephen Lawson, I've heard many people say that he's one of the, he's really nice to be around, he's easygoing, and um, I even praised his work in which he liked my comp, he retweeted and liked my comment about his commentary skills on House of Glory. I think he and Solomonster work very well together. Now, I literally looked at his tweets, and yeah, he had to defend himself, and it made him look like, uh, you know what, but I just felt he's probably reflecting on what he, what he said, and, um, and on Mon- when he did his Monday Night Raw review, he took three minutes of his time, I taught, I literally watched it, three minutes of his time to apologize to Alexa Bliss. He apologized to the women's division, the like the women's roster. And all he says, I just got to be a better person. And that's what um he'll be, okay? Now, if you don't like what JD has to say, just don't respond to him, okay? Don't respond. Don't look at his tweets. Just... You can mute him. I don't care. Do what you got to do. But I saw, I saw the apology and it felt genuine. But some people are just so... Some people are just so fucked up on social media that they take shit seriously. Now, the YouTuber and House of Glory wrestling announcer sent out a plea to fans... That his parents were apparently receiving harassing messages and calls all night because of this situation. He said this crossed the fucking line and it's hard to disagree. And he tweeted out, my mom and dad just called me harassing phone calls, texts all all night into the morning, all stemming from yesterday. I urge you all to stop. When my family gets involved... When my family gets involved and their information gets thrown at me because of what you think of me, you cross the fucking line. And he had to like take time off of social, off of Instagram because he got so many fucking death threats. Now you could say, oh, he deserves it, but I'm going to get to this point later on. And I want you guys to understand where I'm coming from. Now, when you think about it, like, literally, when you think about it, when you go after someone's family, that, that's not cool. It's not cool. What do they have to do with this? Now, if you ask me who was in the wrong, who's in the wrong, my answer is both of them. I felt like Alexa could have handled the situation, like, privately DM- DMing him on either t- Instagram or Twitter. I don't even know if his DM is open on Twitter. But I know... Th- um, just a private message to him. Okay? But 
the person who posted that video, he has to take responsibility for this shit. Now, JD, he could have said it differently. Like, I would not use a sex joke to compare someone's in-ring ability. I'll just say I don't find their in-ring work believable. And, like, look, I'm not saying, like, I'm not going to focus on, because I know how, I know for many people saying Alexa is really the nicest people you can meet, she, like, I don't worry about her character. I worry about the human being. And fan, every and here's the thing. Everybody's a fucking hypocrite, okay? And I don't want nobody to deny it. Everybody's a hypocrite. Whether you agree with that sentiment or not. And all I'm going to say on this, do better. Do better. That's all I'm going to say. So, that's my thoughts on it. And I'll, like all I can say, if you don't like what this man has to say, don't respond, don't re- quote tweet him, don't try and take a pe- like take a photo of his Twitter and what he tweets and just use it as a way, like just ignore it. That's what my mom taught me. My mom taught me just ignore someone. That's it. And don't do this for the sake of just just don't do it. That's all I'm going to say on that. Don't do it. If you don't like him, don't listen to what he has to say. That includes on Twitter. That includes on YouTube. Don't subscribe to him. Just listen to someone else. Okay? That's all I'm going to say on that. Moving on. So, Shag Gaspar. Um... Former WWE star Shaq Gaspar passed away at just the age of 39 years old after a tragic incident at the Venice Beach while with his son. Gaspar and his son were part of a group of swimmers who found themselves in the deep water to um, the point where lifeguards had to rescue the swimmers. Gaspar was last seen when he told the rescuers that to take his son first before being taken away by the riptide. Now, the family had a GoFundMe page and was created with a $100,000 goal and we had someone donated $40,000 from CTC RIP. And this was, this caused some fans to speculate that the donation came from John Cena. And because if you remember, Gaspar, like Crime Time, it, they were part of this feud with Cena. They were part of Cena's uh, feud with JBL. And they were CTC, Crime Time, Cena. And they vandalized his limo with Cena riding CTC on uh, the vehicle. And he also shared the photo of the limo on his Instagram. So, all I can say, this is a this is really great for... if. If Cena did that, I, I gotta give him credit, man. He is just fucking amazing for what he did. And um, I got I I like shit hearing shit like this. This is great. And I think the fam I think they got enough now. But I even saw Arnold Schwarzenegger uh pay tribute to uh Shad Gaspar. And we still miss him. 
Just like how I still miss Hanukkah Mora. <sighs> but hopefully he's, I know he's at peace. Both of them are at peace. That's all I'm going to say on that. <clears throat> now, Desmond talks about WWE planning returns to live events. This is from Ringside News. Take these people with a grain of salt. So, there was a report that saying that WWE is getting together the next live dates, which is Russell Votes that I know reported this. Nothing should be reportedly expected by July, but it is WWE really that far ahead of things? Now, ringside news. Again, these clowns take them with a grain of salt. Reached out to a source in WWE, and they refuted this report. I mean... How are they getting their source from... I'm seriously... I just... I seriously want to know. How do they get their sources? Now, the question was proposed to us that if this was true, then it wouldn't be accompanied by press release and dot-com stories with WWE making a big deal out of it. But I don't buy into this. I mean, I know they have something planned when things hopefully gets back to normal. So, will we see live events happen? In 2020, maybe. I hope so. Because, I mean, we need the crowd. And I seriously want them back. Now, AJ Styles. AJ Styles. He was traded to SmackDown. He was, um... And apparently, it was a late decision. Now, and this is from Ringside News again. Take them with a grain of salt. Now, now, it was a late decision, and the trade announcement was something that was decided on after the SmackDown tapings. Cole was asked to do a voiceover from his house to be inserted um, into the broadcast. There was a second voiceover done that was inserted later into the show. Another thing to consider is that WWE announced that the Brand to Brand Invitational only allows superstars to appear on the opposite brand four times per year. But Styles will burn through that number just by appearing in the tournament matches. And it looks like on Friday night, there are bigger plans for Styles because he cut a promo on WWE.com that seems to hint towards a big match with a major name. Who could it be, you may ask? Who could it be? I don't know. But, like, I'm not surprised by this. AJ Styles... Like, I gave my real reason why AJ is on SmackDown. Why he's going to be there for a while. Because Roman Reigns. There's your answer. Roman Reigns. Because he's not on the show. You need a top name. Look at AJ Styles. He's one of the biggest names in pro wrestling. So, this does not surprise me whatsoever. But, I knew it was a trade for some reason. I just... Had a feeling that they probably put Styles on SmackDown because Roman Reigns is not there. That's all I'm going to say on that. Vince McMahon was on board to bring back a major name for WrestleMania. Now, it was noted on the Wrestling Observer newsletter that there were talks with Hulk Hogan about having him appear at WrestleMania. Hogan was already going to be in town because the NWO was going to be, in, was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. The talks with Hogan fell through, and even if a deal has been reached, the Battle Royal plan ended up being scrapped because of this pandemic that forced WWE to move the show to the Performance Center in Orlando. 
Now, Paul Davis from Wrestling News was told that there was a pitch to, made to have Hogan appear in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And to have him win the match. A WWE source said, The idea was he wouldn't take any bumps. We would work it so he would only have to eliminate one or two guys. And at the end, and at the end, and then he would get his big celebration. And at the end with his music, it would have been a perfect, it would have been perfect because he lives in the Tampa area. I was told that the idea was pitched to Vince McMahon and he did not shoot it down. And the idea was still on the table as of late February. Again, the source told me that even if Hogan agreed to this, the plans would have been scrapped once the company realized that they had to pull the Battle Royal from the show. So, the talks between WWE and Hogan fell through due to both sides not being able to agree to financial terms. So just imagine, if this whole pandemic didn't happen. Imagine Hulk Hogan tossing out, say, a most popular name in this current era. How would you guys feel? Now, Hogan winning, I mean, I totally see that if it was in Tampa. I guarantee if they um, if they don't get WrestleMania in Las Vegas, they might go back to Tampa. And if, and if we get the Battle Royal, I'm telling you right now, this is what you're going to get. Hogan winning. I mean, I mean, it's not going to do nothing anyway. I mean, this Battle Royal doesn't mean anything to me. Just being honest with you. It's a way to get everybody on the card for the sake of getting everybody on the card. That's how I look at it. Now, Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak, he was recently, um, one of the, well, not one of the names cut, but his contract expired. As previously noted, Drew Gulak was moved back to SmackDown this week. And he signed a new contract just over a week after his previous contract expired. I also noted last week that Gulak was being uh, represented by Agent Barry Bloom to handle his contract talks. Bloom is a high-profile agent who has who has represented tons of big names in the past, including Triple H, Goldberg, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and many others since the 1990s. Melson noted today on the Wrestling Observer Radio that Gulak was not looking to do independent dates and promoters that tried to book him were under the impression that he already had a destination. That destination turned out to be WWE. I know people who had tried to book him for future dates because he actually was a free agent. He could have been on Double or Nothing when people tried to contact him. They knew he was going somewhere because he was not interested in anything, so it was pretty much assumed that it was either WWE or AEW that he was going that he had pretty much made up his mind that he wasn't going anywhere else. Money was the reason why Gulak did not sign before his previous deal expired, so presumably he got a better deal this time. So there you have it. Drew Gulak, he is now staying in the WWE. So 
All you Gulak fans out there, don't worry. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But I think he could make a great work for this SmackDown mid-card, which we will talk about later. Since the IC title is being heavily focused right now. So, <clears throat> I could see that. Jerry Lawler. You may love him. You may hate him on commentary. I mean, he's... Eh. But, I mean, he doesn't add much. Um, but he has been permanently replaced. He's by Samoa Joe. WWE Hall of Famous Jerry Lawler has once again been replaced as part of the WWE Raw commentary team. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest edition of Wrestling Observer that Samoa Joe has permanently replaced uh, Lawler. As of this writing, there's no word yet on what this means for Joe in ring status. Per the report, it's possible that WWE books Joe as a commentator while also doing angles that leads to him wrestling as well. And I'm all on board with that. I think Joe's phenomenal on commentary. He's phenomenal in the ring. But hope, I just hope that he's cleared and we get to see what he could bring to the, uh, to the table, whether it's the mid-card or at the top program. Now, of course, with anything in WWE, plans could change. If WWE runs into a situation where their roster depth is low, um, <clears throat> WWE could put him back as a full-time wrestler. Originally, the belief was that Joe was filling in for Lawler on the announced team over the concerns of Lawler being at risk of this uh, you-know-what during a pandemic while working TV tapings. Now, thus, there's no word on whether WWE plans on bringing Lawler back to the announced team once this whole situation is under control and WWE starts running normal TV events. The Raw star suffered an injury while filming a commercial for a company with the belief that the injury was not a con- was a concussion. Joe is still not cleared for cleared from his uh, latest concussion. He was brought back in late April to fill in for Lawler on commentary. And like I mentioned, his commentary is absolutely phenomenal. And all I can say on this is good. Good. Because I know people don't like hearing Lawler on commentary. I know he I know he made a joke about um, Akira Tozawa doing that ramen noodle senton, which, yeah, he shouldn't have said that. And you got Joe, who I think could connect with the younger audience. And I think he does a fine job whatever uh, he's given. So I think this is a great replacement. I'm not complaining about this. This is fine. This is absolutely fine. So don't be upset about this, people. Everything's going to be okay. All right? All right, good. Monday Night Raw. Let's talk about good old Monday Night Raw. And we look at the poll results. 82% of you said it was a thumbs up show. 18% of you said it was a thumbs down show. Well, what do you know? Vince McMahon decided to add audiences, their NXT developmental talent, and the people in NXT? What a shocker! But he wants to be different. Let's add Pexi Glass. Let's add Pexiglass because we don't want to be like AEW. Just throwing that out there. 
Now, why did Vince McMahon decide to bring in fans for Raw, NXT, and SmackDown? Now, the fans that were in attendance will actually be people from developmental. They will be there to add some noise to the show, similar to what Dynamite is doing. Now, Paul Davis was told that the reason why WWE waited so long to make the decision was that Vince McMahon felt it was a bad look on the company to have so many people seated in the Performance Center during a time when social distancing is being pushed by health experts. I I get it. I get it. Yes, you want to follow the social distancing rule, even though you break the own rule when you have wrestlers in the ring. Just, just throwing that out there. Um, AEW, uh, AEW has been able to uh, get away with using wrestlers and staff at the Daily's place because everyone is getting tested. Since Jacksonville, Florida has plenty of tests available for anyone in the city who needs them. Uh, the other advantage that AEW has is Daly's Place is an open-air venue, and the Performance Center is a small building where it can be spread easily. Another word going around the PC is that changes being made this week will be the new norm until things are allowed to bring, until they are allowed to bring fans back. Uh, in time, Vince is still hoping to having fans back in time for SummerSlam, but. They had to relocate in Boston. Well, well, they have to relocate because they might be back at the Performance Center. Okay? So, <clears throat> what took you so long? That's all I say. Vince, what took you so long? It's not that hard. Okay? Now, there's more details about using the NXT um, wrestlers as fans. PW Insider... They reported some additional details about the decision by WWE on Monday. WWE taped last night's Raw, as well as upcoming episodes for SmackDown, 205 Live, and Main Event. Um, these ran somewhere in the 9 to 10 hour total. Literally, they stood there for 9 to 10 hours. With the talent standing around the ring all day, it was a long day for all involved. However, WWE did take short breaks for everyone to sit in between matches with chairs being bought out and uh, then taken out, but the talent spent the majority of the day standing. Trust me, I've, I've stood at a, when I worked at um, the Superdome, I stood for like 12 hours. And I got used to it, alright? But I, I could imagine how they're feeling right now. They want, um... Like, they're gonna need breaks. I would prefer sitting down than standing up, okay? Now, the report noted how the situation was described uh, as an exhausting process for those wrestlers and trying to create energy all day. How about you just give them chairs and some beverage to, uh... You know, make them... Feel energized, you know, instead of standing there for a couple of hours doing what? Trying to bring energy. I get it. But, um, I don't know what I could tell you. Do what's right. Now, at the same time, some trainees, some were also happy to be there since they haven't been able to do anything related to WWE over the last several weeks. In fact, some talent hasn't been 
inside the performance center for some time. WWE, like, of course, I talked about the tapings. Um, as noted, the idea is to have the wrestlers around the ring in order to bring more traditional live event experience to the show. And WWE discussed having a plexiglass set up around the ring as something that will become the norm as well. And when WWE is able to run live events again, they could use plexiglass as a way to keep the invisible barrier between fans and wrestlers. I, I think that's dumb. You don't need the plexiglass. It just makes it look stupid, to say the least. And um, all I can say is, like, the only thing I can say is, you, you just don't need it. AEW didn't use the plexiglass. JR made a joke about it on uh, Dynamite. So, you're really building this invisible barrier? Man, is Vince out of touch. You don't need it. It's okay. Alright? Alright. So, the show started off with Kevin, the Kevin Owens show. And this guest is Asuka. Whoopee! Because, you know, Asuka is so entertaining. And I really mean it. She is entertaining in WWE. I enjoy her. As she's still excited about Becky Lynch and the announcement. And they did the cheap plug of you could buy the shirt on uh, <clears throat> on uh, the WWE's website. So they discussed what happened last week involving Asuka, Nia Jax, and Kyrie Sane. And don't worry, we're going to talk about that uh, right after we discuss Monday Night Raw. So Charlotte looks... No, no not Charlotte. Asuka, she looked pissed. About it, she yelled in Japanese, which I don't want to be. A, I don't want to be around an angry Japanese woman, because that is pure fire of adrenaline. So Charlotte comes out, and my ears bleed. And I just say every time she does not make the NXT Women's Title better. She doesn't make like she's really killing the NXT Women's Division. So. She comes out and said Becky should have handed the Raw Women's title to her. Let's just hand everything to Charlotte Flair so she could just pass this fake record. Because, why? I don't know. You want to make her the greatest of all time when the woman has been overexposed. Okay? Now, she tells Asuka that she's never beaten her, even though they're going to have a match on Monday Night Raw. Um... Not on this review that I'm talking about, but next week. But, um, and she needs to manage her expectations. The only expectation I manage, Charlotte Flair, is for you to drop that NXT Women's title to either Io Shirai, which is my pick, or Rhea Ripley, which, look, I love me some Rhea, but I don't mind. But, and just take some time away from WWE. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for much. Like, I'm being real. Natalia comes out. She apologizes to Owens about her temper tantrum last week to Shayna, who was not even on the fucking show, and that bugs me. Um, <clears throat> and Charlotte says she's just sucking up to KO, and it won't help her with win this match and calls her irrelevant. Wow, Charlotte actually, Charlotte actually making sense. Like no disrespect to Natalia, I think she's good, but man, I I don't know what it is. I'm just getting bored with Natalia. Can we get some new blood? Where the fuck is Bianca Belair? 
Is she still competing on main event? I want to see her. I want to see her get an opportunity against Asuka. I think that would be fantastic. Her and Asuka, that was the first time I laid eyes on Bianca Belair. It was her match against Asuka at a house show. And you would you think that Asuka would make Bianca look like a million bucks? I'm telling you, it's going to work. So out came Nia Jax, and she talks about who will be the next champion and pretty much saying it's her. And she reminds Asuka what she did to Kyrie, and she'll bulldoze over Asuka. You had KO said, look, don't hit her in the face, okay? And Asuka's like, all right, I'll just hit you in the shoulder. Brawl, end of story. Asuka stood tall in the ring. That's it. I didn't really care for this. Like, I just hate the, um, this cliche where wrestler A comes out, interrupts, like, no, wrestler B comes out, interrupts wrestler A, then their music hit, wrestler C, and then D comes out with their music playing. It's cliche. Just come out. Come out. Don't come out to your music. It just ruins the fun. But I, I did not care about this. I'm being honest with you. I love Asuka. I think she's entertaining, but this is just a build towards this uh, triple threat match. Okay? We had a really good United States Championship match between Apollo Crews and Andrade. I think they have great chemistry in the ring. But Apollo Crews, he finally won his first title in WWE. What took them so long? I have an answer. Because apparently Vince McMahon... um, Because apparently Vince McMahon decided... He gave up. He previously gave up on Apollo Crews back then. Now... Much of what was said in the promo, which I will talk about later... Well, right now, I might as well just talk about it. Apollo said that he started this journey. People said he couldn't do it as they laughed at him. But he never gave up. Now he can finally say that he won his first WWE title. And that is the United States Championship. And I thought he did a really good job on his promo. And Andrade, he threw a fit backstage. So I don't know what that's going to lead to. However, Vince McMahon did not see him as more than a mid-carder. And this was discussed today on the Wrestling uh, Wrestling Observer Radio. Yeah, everybody thought he was going to be a big star until he started. And then they thought he couldn't do it because Vince gave up on him, Melsa said. Remember they rushed him onto the main roster right away? Brian Alvarez remarked that this is the best that Apollo has looked on the main roster. And I agree with him right there. But Melsa said that history shows that one good night does not mean that's a long-term push coming. Now he said, I have no faith. We'll see where it goes. They might have Andrade beat him next week. Which, like, I don't... I mean, let's be honest. Andrade doesn't need that. He needs to be in the world title picture. You gotta build him up as a top heel. Who do you have as a top heel? Like, um... You, you built back up Lashley. You built him back up as this top heel now. Something that he should have been when he came back. I, I can see Andrade and McIntyre going... Like, like, we could have this match again, but... This time is for the WWE title. Andrade is no longer the U.S. champion. I mean, I could see that, but they might do Jinder Mahal versus Drew McIntyre because they want to talk about the 3MB thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Meltzer said, I have no faith. Look, I can ag- I, I agree. 
I have no faith in this company. They can't... Like, if they really cared about Apollo, they should have done this way before. Even when he challenged The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship. He, he could have been the IC champion. And he could have had a great run, had some great matches. But, no, no, no. So, there... Now, I hope there are big things planned for Apollo as champion. I think he could bring some legitimacy to the uh, United States title. So, that's that. I think they need to do long-term instead of just say, yeah, you here you go, you're a trooper, so... You're a trooper, so here's the United States title. Oh, we're going to take the title off of you next week. How would you feel if that happened? I would have been pissed. Because... I had a great match. I worked my ass off. And this is how I get rewarded? Why am I even here? So, Seth Rollins. He's backstage holding Rey Mysterio's mask like a trophy. Says that tonight is a celebration as Rey was a sacrifice for the greater good and he can't imagine the pain he went through. He doesn't know what Rey's future holds, but if that was his final act then it was a courageous one. He joined, He's joined by Murphy and Austin Theory, who I still think should go back to NXT. And Seth said that they'll show Humberto and Alistair what it means to cross the Monday Night Messiah. Charlotte Flair. Now, before we get to Charlotte, I thought the promo was good. Um... You had Murphy and Theory talking about feeling neglected as well. They've felt Rollins's um, Rollins's story, and they're building him up. At, I, I mean, I'm loving Seth Rollins. I think this new role he's in right now, he's hitting a home run with it. I think he's doing an excellent job. Murphy and Theory, like, I still want to see my Ataxia on the main roster, like the TK. The Theory um, TKO Cutter, that's one of his finishers, but I prefer Ataxia. Just throwing that out there, but I think the stable's pretty good for now. But we'll talk about what they might have planned next week involving good old Rey Mysterio. Charlotte Flair, she's interviewed by Charlie Caruso, talked about being the most consistent and prolific champion in WWE history. Ha, 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 like I would give a shit if I want to hear that. Like, stop rubbing your resume down my throat, Charlotte. She talks about being a measure stick and nobody compares. Um, I could list a lot of women who are a measuring stick in this women's division. Not named Charlotte Flair. Sasha Banks. Bailey. Oscar, Paige. Emma. Can I go on? AJ Lee? Hmm? Anybody? Just being honest. Oscar walks in. Dances around. I mean, I like it when Oscar dances. I think, I think it's just really good. And she tells Charlotte, "Red isn't your color." Savage Oscar. I like it. I love it. Yeah, red isn't your color. So isn't blue. So isn't gold. I mean, <laughs> Oscar's right. The iconics. The iconics. So, I'm. I want to take what Wrestling News said because I think they recapped it very well. They appeared on for a promo on a segment with Mon- on Monday Night Raw. Peyton Royce, she offered to apologize to Billy Kay, but Billy cut her off. 
and apologized for slapping her last week. And if you didn't realize the slap happened because they failed to win the uh, women's tag team titles on the last week's show. So Bliss and Cross, Bliss Cross Applesauce, the champions, made their way to the ring to let Kay and Royce know that they no longer deserve a shot at the title. Cross, Nikki Cross gave a really great promo. This is the best promo I have ever seen out of Nikki Cross. Talked about how she scratched and clawed her way to make it to WWE. Um, and then she talked about meeting Bliss and becoming best friends with her. You had Royce and Kay. They attacked the champions, posed with the titles, which, like, I was literally thinking they might um, have this match at Backlash for the women's tag team titles. And this is a great analogy by them. They said if you paid attention to the subtitle hints between last week's slap and the body language from Billy Kay and Kay walking in front of Royce doing their entrance this week, it looks like WWE is going to split them up. So we might see it. And I don't know, it might happen at Backlash. We can find out. We could be surprised. But... I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again about the women's tag team titles. They don't mean nothing to me. They don't mean shit. Your best, and it's no disrespect to the women's division, but it's not even necessary. This is just a title that was made because Ronda Rousey was holding the Raw Women's Division roughshod, so they needed to make a new title for the women to compensate that to give them some time. You know. But it's a worthless title. And why would I care about it, you know? That's how I feel. But if we're getting this match, Bliss and Cross are retaining. The Iconics are going to split up. I don't know how this is going to work. We're just going to have to find out. Whether it's a triple threat, whether it's something. I, I just don't know. VIP Lounge. Drew McIntyre was the guest. He threw his furniture out. And MVP tells him that he doesn't need to worry about the sneak attack. Because that backlash, you're going to get it at, you're going to worry about that with the full Nelson. He asked Drew the last time he was invited to the VIP lounge. McIntyre said that it took 19 years, 19, to get a title shot. And he beat the beast named Brock Lesnar. And doesn't need anyone thinking or talking for him. He says the only way Lashley will get the WWE Championship is if he pries it from his cold, dead hands. Lashley comes out, like literally MVP said, that can be arranged. Comes out, and Drew just Claymore kicks MVP in the face. And I really enjoy, um, like, let me be honest, I think Drew McIntyre being himself and not being scripted, I think that's great. This is the best that I want. I want every wrestler to be non-scripted because it makes them better that's how I feel but I mean <clears throat> what can I say I thought this was very good like it was okay I, I thought the crowd vibe brought a little bit of this uh, segment and the show but I mean Drew McIntyre is like a fucking beast Charlie Caruso she interviews Natalia, well, was about to interview Natalia, when she got a phone call from TJ Tyson, my good buddy. I just wish his career didn't end. Um, and said that she apologized and needs to focus on her match. 
So they're building something up between Natalia and Tyson Kidd. And she was ready to do the interview. And Charlie's like, look, we're out of time. I'm sorry. So that's it. Angel Garza and Kevin Owens, this was really good. Kevin Owens, he was protected. Garza is a fucking beast. Like, I said it time and time again. He's a fucking beast. But the way that they handled his the stable between Vega, Andrade, Theory at the time, they made them look like chumps. But it looks like this is the... It looks like they're redefining him. They're hitting the reset button. But he got a win over a former world champion. Ain't... Angel Gaza beat Kevin Owens with the wing clipper. The knee was the main focus because Gaza attacked Kevin Owens while he made his entrance. He had Owens trying to do a pop-up powerbomb, but his knee gave out. Tried to do the cannonball, knee gave out. But, like, I think they're positioning Angel Gaza in a, in a much bigger and brighter feud, to say the least. Maybe he might challenge Apollo Crews. That's what I'm thinking. But Kevin Owens made him look good. He made him look like a million fucking bucks. We had the Street Profits and the War Raiders playing golf. Look, look, I'm going to be honest. It was entertaining. There were some parts I laughed. But if this is how you're building towards the... um. Raw tag team titles, most likely at Backlash. Yeah, what do you think the outcome's gonna be? Street Profits winning. Then if you have the Street Profits win, who do you have next in the tag team division? You Like, seriously, besides makeshift teams, what legit tag teams do you got? No one. You got nobody. So... You look at that tag team division on Raw, SmackDown, even in NXT. It looks awful. It is absolutely awful. Merge the divisions. Merge the Raw and SmackDown divisions. And boom! You got yourself a decent tag team competitive division. Have wins and losses matter. But you know what? You could you Like, I know it's going to sound hypocritical because I complained about it on... Uh, well, I didn't talk about the axe throwing thing. So, Street Profits, they won the golf uh, the golf thing. And now they're going to be doing bowling. And I usually suck at bowling, but sometimes I do pretty decent for myself. I, I never played bowling uh, competitively in, a, in school. I just, um, all I could say is, I'm okay at it. That's all I could say. But... Yeah, it's pretty much anything you can do, I can do better. Austin Theory and Murphy, they defeated Humberto and Alistair Black. So, this was okay. I mean, they threatened Humberto post-match. And Alistair comes with a chair. Seth tells him, don't you come, um... Don't you come close or I will remove his eye. Like, I will remove his eye. Like, I would literally push it like Rey Mysterio did. Right in the steel steps. And he removes the chair and he lets him go. <clears throat> that was pretty much it. 
Edge, the rated R superstar, was backstage. Says that Randy caught him flat-footed a few weeks ago, and he was still basking in, and he was still basking in the glow of WrestleMania as it doesn't happen often. He talks about being retired for 3,212 days, and Orton competed in 1,126 matches, and realized he has to prove himself. Um, and he realized he has to prove himself to himself. Edge thinks. Thanks Orton for forcing him to contemplate things and things he buried deep. So, he got home, watched the last ride, which is really great, and talks about when is the time to hang up the uh hang up the boots. And now here he is. Um he warns Orton that at Backlash, he's going to try, he's going to dig into the depths of his soul to try. And I think this was a really great promo. Still not sold on the greatest wrestling match ever. I hate that um, tagline. Like, it's just, it's just ludicrous, you know? We had the triple threat match to determine who faces Asuka at Backlash. This was decent, okay? I mean... The right outcome is Nia winning, but the only highlight is that Asuka was on commentary, and I think she is just phenomenal. She was entertaining. I paid more attention to Asuka on commentary than I did with uh, this entire match. So, she's going to challenge Asuka at um, Backlash, where she will eventually take an L. Now, speaking of Nia Jax... Speaking of Nia Jax, there was a match that was stopped. And it involved it involved her and Kyrie Sane. So the news was first broken by Fifle that Kyrie Sane was busted open in a match um, with Nia Jax during the tapings for next week's episode of Monday Night Raw. And I asked. Why are we doing this match again? The match was stopped in order for Sane to be cleaned up by ringside doctors. And they finished um, the match at the time. No, they finished the match. At the time, there was nothing to indicate that she has an injury. However, that will keep her out of action. However, it was noted that she suffered a significant cut. Look, Kyrie's a warrior. Like, she took... She took so much abuse in Japan. I, I guarantee you a simple cut. I don't know how it happened. We're just going to reserve judgment. Melser, he chimed in with the situation. And he talked to various people who were at the taping. Who was some who saw it and some who didn't but heard about it. Melser stated that, um, stated that those who he's spoken with aren't blaming Jax for the injury. Despite her history of botching spots, um, look back at the last match where she almost broke Kyrie's neck with that buckle bomb spot. And I will talk about that later on. And one person told Melsa that she may have stumbled while going into the steps and she was trying to hit the steel with her side, which she did. And in the process, 
She hit her head on the steps. Another person told Melissa that Sane was in control of the bump, which made it look too good, which, I mean, that alone tells me that this is just them speaking out of their ass. While Sane did try to avoid her head, she hit the steps anyway, which caused the cut and resulted in her being knocked silly. Meltzer stated that he was told that Sane was okay after the match, but doesn't necessarily mean she doesn't have a concussion because he doesn't know yet. One person thought that she was knocked out. Meltzer added um, that Sane didn't ask for time off after the match. It will be... Interesting to see whether WWE keeps the spot in the broadcast or of the match or edit it out. I don't I don't know if they're gonna edit it out. But again, we let's reserve judgment for now. Okay? Let's reserve judgment until we actually see it. And then we could say that yeah, Nia caused this. Yes, this was Nia Jax's fault. But if we see it and it turns out to be Nia. She needs to take some time in the PC when things get back to normal so she could train a little bit more. What is it going to take? Seriously, what is it going to take? Someone to die? I hope not. But she doesn't have heat. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. <clears throat> now, moving on. Main event was Street Profits versus MVP and Lashley. This match ended in a disqualification because they got to do the stupid five rule count. They got to do that. This was just Lashley choking out Montez Ford. And you had um, Drew McIntyre and Lashley brawl. And I believe, I literally believe that um, Lashley stood tall to close out the show. It was... It was okay. I think this having the NXT developmental talents in the crowd was um bought some life to it. So I'm very glad about that. And I thought it was a decent show. That's all I could say on that. It was decent. Then we go to NXT. And I love talking about NXT, but there's going to be some news coming out of it. So just be prepared. We had an interim NXT Cruiserweight Championship Tournament match. This was good, but this should have been Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick. No, it shouldn't. it's not Drake Maverick. It should have been Kushida winning. But Drake Maverick, he got the win in a controversial fashion. He, he literally pinned Jake Atlas while Kushida had the armbar while Jake Atlas was tapping and the ref didn't see it. This actually bugged me. And look, I like Drake Maverick. I think he brings a lot of fire. Um, I'm just saying sometimes, and this is just me, they took something that we've sympathized with and they've narrowed it to their own agenda. I don't know if Jake Maverick is going to resign, but this is just getting ridiculous. Now, he faces El Hijo del Fantasma for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship next week 
And I think El Hio has to win. Because if he loses to Drake Maverick, what's next? What's next? I mean, I understand you want to do babyface and heel, but I mean, it would make sense if you have El Hio win and you have the super, you have those luchadors kidnap him. It would make so much sense. That's how I would do it. Johnny Gargano took on Evolve's own Adrian Alanis, who I think is really good. Um, didn't last long. Gargano escaped. Goodbye. And I laughed so hard at Mia Yim and Keith Lee. They did a parody of uh, of the Garganos. It's, it's worth watching. It's definitely hilarious. <laughs> and it was full of savagery. This was this was great. Absolutely great. Raquel Gonzalez, she defeated Shotzi Blackheart. I thought this was um okay, but you're still building towards Dakota and Tegan, and you have Tegan mixing it up with Candice LeRae because she was doing the parody as well by ordering a pe by giving them a pizza which was already eaten. So I thought this was okay. Raquel Gonzalez showing that she's a powerhouse, and this isn't the last time these two faced each other. They they faced off and evolved back then before Shotzi got a contract. Just throwing that out there. We had a tag team match. This was really good. Charlotte Flair and uh, Chelsea Green versus Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley. Um, Io got pinned. Io got pinned. Not clean, but Charlotte using the ropes because she has to cheat to win because you can't put down the best wrestler in the, ro- in the world. So... Charlotte got some momentum. Rhea didn't get pinned. EO is the ultimate underdog right now. And I love Maranalo. He paid tribute to Hanukkah and on NXT. And, I, and I'm just very glad that he did that. And you can see EO wearing an armband honoring Hanukkah So I thought that was nice. And I, I mean, I want to save this when I talk about TakeOver and your house predictions. But... EO's the odd woman out when you think about it. EO has is literally getting the short end of the stick, and that's not right. I feel like she should hold the NXT women's title, and we're gonna talk about these rumor call-ups I've been hearing about, which I don't understand why they need more when they haven't been doing much with most of them with the latest call-up. Look at Shayna Baszler, look at um look at Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair is a perfect example of this. And now they got Matt Riddle for SmackDown, which I hope to God that they do some good with this guy. Seriously. Ciampa, he defeated Leon Ruff, who I think is is going to be part of NXT pretty soon. Like, I'm not saying he's going to sign, but I think he's going to be doing some more work with Evolve. He's going to be a part of the Cruiserweight division because the dude moves so fluid in motion that you just want to see this guy tear it up. Um, Karrion Cross, he tells Ciampa that at TakeOver, he promises he'll make Ciampa feel something that he's never felt before, and the way he cut the promo was fantastic. You don't see his mouth. You only see his eyes on the Titantron telling you this. And I'm already excited for this match. Like, I legit have goosebumps. Um, for this upcoming match. Um, then we get get to the fight pit. 
Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle with Kurt Angle as the special guest referee. I thought this was great. This was fun. They delivered. And if they, like, I hope they don't overdo it, but only save it when there's a blood feud. And Timothy Thatcher, he got the win over Matt Riddle. Now, like I mentioned, Matt Riddle, he got, he's officially a part of SmackDown. And why all of a sudden they want to bring Matt Riddle in? Simple. Like, like I could tell you why. I mean, you don't have nobody on SmackDown. Originally, he was supposed to be on Monday Night Raw, but um, it was because Brock Lesnar. Most likely, that's why he he didn't want they didn't want him on Raw. It's because of Brock Lesnar. So they're putting him on SmackDown with. So, why is all of a sudden Matt Riddle's finally getting a call up? As many of you know, NXT star Matt Riddle's on his way to SmackDown. They already did the vignette, which I will talk about. Um, on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer discussed Riddle's call up to the main roster and noted that money is likely the issue. The main roster move would mean he um would be would get paid uh. More And right now, they want to keep him happy so he can sign a new deal and keep him away from Ring of Honor, New Japan, and AEW. Whoa! Not surprising! They want to keep him away from AEW. Unreal. And they say that they're not worried about AEW. (laughs) Shame. Bunch of hypocrites. New Japan had an interest in Riddle a couple of years ago before he signed with WWE. Um, Melsa said the following about Riddle on Wrestling Observer Radio. They had to bring him up, though, because he would have been able to go anywhere he wanted, and there's companies. AEW spending money for talent they want. New Japan, when they get going, you know they'll be looking at new guys. And Ring of Honor has spent money on key guys, and Riddle would be, if Ring of Honor is going to spend for Bandito spend money for Bandito, they'll certainly spend big money on Riddle. He had a lot of places where he could make a lot of money than in NXT. And everywhere, pretty much. So, they had to bring him up. The reality is, they had to bring him to the main roster. And we already talked about this. And apparently, there are more more names that are rumored to be called up pretty soon. As Fyfrol said that they're planning additional NXT call-ups in the next month. So, or so. And it was not noted how many WWE plans on calling up, but it was... So, they said in addition to Matt Riddle, there are addition... There are additional NXT call-ups planned for the main roster. No film plans have been provided, but they are expected over the next month or so. So, let's talk about the rumored names... One of them is Dominic Dijakovic, which Russell Talk exclusive, which Russell Talk exclusively um, broke, saying that Dominic Dijakovic was one of the names, and I could see that because we haven't seen him since April. We haven't seen him since his match with Johnny Gargano when he turned heel. So it looks like he might be on his way up. Where does he go? I don't know. Maybe SmackDown could use some guys like him. I'm just saying. Name I also saw from Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Take them with a grain of salt. No offense, Tim. 
but the names that he heard was Chelsea Green, which I can see because she fired Robert Stone, and it looks like they might have her be paired with Charlotte Flair and possibly go after the women's tag team titles. I could see that. I mean, SmackDown's definitely in need of some women, so why not Chelsea Green? She hasn't been doing much in NXT, so I think they might call her up. Another woman I heard was Io Shirai, which, God, no. I don't think that should happen. If Io gets called up, she will be eaten like a pack of wolves. Just ask Kyrie Sane. That's all I'm going to say. And why would you be excited for Io Shirai on Monday Night Raw when they can't even book Kyrie Sane right? Like, look at Bianca Belair. She's going to be lost in the shuffle. Do you think the same thing's going to happen with Io Shirai if she goes to Raw or SmackDown? I could see that. Just throwing it out there. Like, here's what I think they might do. They might pluck Io Shirai from NXT to the main roster, pair her up with Kyrie Sane, and form this stable with Asuka, which I would honestly not mind, but I would I would mind it better if it was on NXT. That's all I'm going to say. But I don't think Io's going to get called up. It wouldn't make sense. The person who should get called up is Rhea Ripley. You want a new Becky Lynch? There you go. You want a top face for the women's division? Look no further than Rhea Ripley. Who do you have as a top face in SmackDown? Nobody. Rhea would be perfect for SmackDown. She could be the top face there. You got Asuka. She's the top face on Raw. You need a top face on SmackDown, which it can be Sasha Banks until they um pull the storyline between these two. But I honestly... I honestly don't, uh, I don't know what they might do with Rhea. She might win the NXT Women's title, which is pretty much saying we justify the mistake that we made at WrestleMania when it shouldn't have happened to begin with. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I'm even hearing Velveteen Dream's name. Because they did tape the, uh, the match for TakeOver in Your House. Just that match. And... If you look on WWE's website for the banner for NXT, Velveteen Dream is not even seen. So, that could be speculation that he might be getting called up. Like, if you look at the banner, it's Io Shirai, Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Rhea Ripley, and Finn Balor. Those are the names you see. I don't know what's going on, but just don't hurt, don't, like take a lot of talent from NXT. I understand you want to build them. You want to make some new changes, but you're not building any new stars. Whose fault is that? That's your fault. And you got to do better than that, man. That's ridiculous. Now, speaking of Adam Cole, he attend Now, this is what people this is what gets me. People talk about him possibly leaving WWE. It's not going to happen. He attended an AEW party. So you, you want to start speculation that his contract is going to be coming up, which it is going to come up in mid-August, but I still believe he's going to stay. Like, don't you think Adam Cole is using AEW and their leverage so he could get a bigger contract with WWE? I could see that. But, look, do I want to see Adam Cole in AEW? Absolutely. I think he could be great. But how are you going to resurrect him from the dead since the Young Bucks super kicked his ass out of oblivion?
He was a ghost. So how do you resurrect a ghost? I asked Matt and Nick Jackson. We will find out. Now, speaking of Kurt Angle, let's talk about him for a second because he did introduce Matt Riddle for um as the newest member of the SmackDown roster. Now, this is from Paul Davis. Now, he was told that everyone expects Angle to be back. He's currently under a 90-day non-compete clause until July after it was announced by WWE.com that he was one of the names released due to budget cuts related to this pandemic. And I want you to hear this, okay? If they haven't signed him already, then they will make an offer to him soon. Vince doesn't want to lose him to AEW. Let me say that again. Vince doesn't want to lose him to AEW, said a WWE source. What does that tell you about Vince McMahon saying, oh, we're not worried about AEW. We're not worried that the release talent are going to go to another promotion like AEW. What happened? That makes you what I like to say, and it's one of my favorite words, a hypocrite. Yeah, you're afraid. You just don't want to admit it. Your actions speak louder than your words. Pathetic. The person I spoke to knows that Angle will likely not wrestle elsewhere after July, but his name means a lot, and Vince McMahon would rather not have him appear on a TV show for a competing company. Like, hear that? He would rather not have him appear on a TV show for a competing company, AEW. Kurt was said to be happy with his backstage role, so all signs point to him returning if he is offered a similar or better deal. Now, in addition, there was talks this week about some furlough producers being bought back over the next few weeks. So, yeah, WWE's afraid. Don't buy into them saying they're not worried about um, other wrestlers going to another promotion. Like, it's full of BS excuses. But, like, yeah, you're saying you're afraid. Like, there's my message to all of you guys. Don't listen to their words. Listen, look at what their action is saying. That's going to speak more than their words. Because words are just emptiness. Because is, that is, that's in any wrestling promotion. That's all I'm going to say on that. But I will agree with this story right here. Vince McMahon has banned another wrestling move, which is the Buckle Bomb, according to PW Insider. Now, this led to Sting retiring because of that move against Seth Rollins during, uh, Survi- I think it was Survivor Series. No, not, not. It was Night of Champions. And he has spinal stenosis. And it's interesting timing about the news on this band because Kyrie Sane took that scary bump and the buckles where Nia just tossed her like a rag doll and almost had an injury scare. And everyone got on Nia Jax, which rightfully so, because she's reckless. I'm sorry, but I had to say it. She was reckless going into this match. Um, I would not be surprised. Literally, I would not be surprised about Like, I think it's a smart move, to be quite honest. Like, 
there was one time, I'm no, no one is not going to talk about this, when Finn Balor took the buckle bomb, and it wasn't even on the, uh, in the inside of the ring, it was outside. He landed through the barricade. You could see his bone literally right in place right there. And he had to finish the match with, like, a messed up arm. And it looks, it looked nasty. So, that's a smart business move, if you want me to be honest with you. Safety is your number one precaution. Speaking of NXT, I didn't even do the polls for that, so let me give you the poll results right here. 80% of you said it was a thumbs-up show, which is good. 20% of you said it was a thumbs-down show. Now, SmackDown. SmackDown. Looking at these uh, results, 75% said it was a thumbs-up show. 25% of you said it was a thumbs-down show. And, I, I, I mean, I thought this was decent. To say the least. Yeah, SmackDown being decent? What is going on, Bruce? Are you actually writing a, some decent shows for once? Just just saying. But the opening segment. This is what got a lot of people talking. And I would just want to give my honest opinion about it. So it started with Elias, who was literally on the street laying there outside. Possibly being a victim of the hit and run. And Renee Young says she saw someone wearing all black and someone wearing all black was seen running away. So the police started asking, like, you see a note come down, and it's, they say Jeff Hardy was around, and they could find him. Like, there's a rental car apparently that belonged to Jeff, and they went over to Kayla, who saw Braun, who was talking to Braun Strowman, who saw the whole thing. Braun said he saw the whole thing go down, and they started running, and they eventually found Jeff Hardy, who was hurt. And... He was gingerly walking as uh, they helped him along. And they say the police smelled like alcohol and they just cuffed him and led him off to pretty much arresting him. So, and when he saw Elias, he was like, Elias, Elias. And I, I mean, I'm saying, this is intriguing. I am enjoying this. Now, I get it. This was in bad taste. Uh, bad taste. I understand that. And I looked at it at a different perspective. Because you are not going to have Jeff Hardy lose to Daniel Bryan. So you pretty much shot yourself in the foot right here. And we all know Elias is not going to beat AJ Styles. So you pretty much took two birds with one stone. Now, I know people say it's distasteful. I saw Matt Hardy and Rebby Hardy tweet about it. I mean, I get it. But I look at it at a storyline perspective. And WWE has done this before. I'm not even surprised that they did this. I'm really not. Because I would not be surprised if Jeff Hardy gave the green signal for this story. Because he wants to make this comeback feel important. And you want to end your career here in WWE big? Go after the Universal title. Not the Intercontinental title. And let me tell you guys this. WWE has done this before. Go back to CM Punk and Chris Jericho. When they talked about... When Jericho talked about um, his past. Punk's past. Go back to... When CM Punk was feuding with Paul Bearer. They dealt with personal shit. That... I know a lot of people were talking about. Hell, they did it in TNA. They did it in TNA too with Jeff Hardy. Like, 
we all know where I know where this is going because it's going to play off in the end when you you're going to see what I mean when I talk about it. I don't find this to be a big deal. WWE was going to do it anyway. They were going to do the real life shit. Now, I don't know if this is out of um, WWE being petty and trying to send Jeff off, embarrassing him on the way out, which, look, when you read reports that they wanted to keep Jeff Hardy from going to AEW, which most likely he will when his contract is up, but this advances the story, and I'll explain why when we get to the end. So they had a locker room meeting with Adam Pierce. You had they all wanted a free shot at the tournament. Sheamus was saying, "Look at him. He look at Jeff. Just couldn't take care of himself. He's a junkie, and it should be himself versus Corbin versus Brian with the winner getting the match." Jey Uso wanted a piece since Jimmy's hurt, and they decided a battle royal. AJ Styles, he's like, "I want to buy in because I mean." I just don't want, like, I'm not going to fight anybody else who deserves a second chance. But Daniel Bryan, being a babyface, shows that he wants to give others a chance. So we got the Battle Royal, which was next, and AJ Styles pretty much called him an idiot, and we all know the match we were going to get. So we had the Battle Royal. We had Drew Gulak, Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura, Lince Dorado, Grand Metallic. Baron Corbin, um, Chad Gable, Jay Uso, um, I'm trying to think who else, because I know there was 10, Jay Uso, um, <clears throat> try, give me a sec, give me a sec, Sheamus, and, uh, I forgot who else, who else was in this battle royal, and Dolph Ziggler, that's it. I totally forgot about him. So, we all knew Shame. I, I just had a feeling Sheamus was going to win. But, they actually made me believe Jay was going to win. And I would have been okay with it. But, Sheamus winning, I don't have a problem with this. It advances the story. Okay? So, remember when I say that. Sonya Deville, she was backstage, just shadow boxing. She cuts a promo saying, put your hair up or square up, while Lacey was in the background, shoves her and says, and called her a nasty and then walked off. Then we get this match. This ended in a double count out. And this was okay. This was okay. I'm not going to complain that much about it. Sonya Deville has come a long way, man. After she broke out, after she got um, out of Mandy Rose's shadow... She's doing the absolute best work of her entire career. And sooner or later, she is going to be a future SmackDown Women's Champion. And there's talks of her possibly being Batgirl. I could see that. But she's doing an excellent job, man. I I can't take anything away from her. And I thought this was Lacey's best showcase, if you want me to be honest. So it looks like we got a few between her and Lacey Evans. Moment of Bliss Tag Team sim- Summit with the New Day. They, like, I mean, this, the New Day came out. They gave, Nikki Cross gave um the New Day 
pancakes with her grandma's secret recipe. Oh, that was nice of you. So they ask who they want to face in this competition, which there is no competition in the tag team division, neither the men or the women. And, um, I mean, there's only one team. It's the Forgotten Sons. It's not anyone else. Miz and Morrison, they're occupied with Braun Strowman. Now, Biggie asked Bliss who they want to face, and out came Bailey and Sasha Banks. Can I mention Sasha Banks? She wore that um, armband paying tribute to Hana, so I got to give her respect right there. She took off her jacket and threw it at Alexa. I thought that was hilarious. Banks and Bailey said they, they don't see the best tag team on SmackDown in the ring. Banks went into the ring, took off a jacket, threw it at Bliss, and it pissed her off. And they had to hold her back. Now, Alexa is playing instigator, saying, Um, Sasha, where's your champion? Ba- Bailey's a champion, the New Day's champion, me and Nikki Cross are champion. What about you? And they acted like it was a sick burn one. It's really not. It's just her being an instigator. Bailey said Banks is the leader of the women's division, which I want. Then Banks said that they will put the W they put the WWE women's tag team titles on the map. And they could win the titles back whenever they want. And they said name the time and place. And I love when um Bailey called Alexa Bliss Charlotte 2. Charlotte Jr. That's the best way um to describe Alexa. Bailey, she said that Banks will face Alexa right now. And you look at you look at Sasha's reaction. She's like, Are you kidding me? I'm not even uh dressed to compete right now. I'm in heels. And she wasn't in her gear. Bailey says she'll go get her heels from the bus. And Bliss threw the jacket and drop kicked her, and then we get this match. Look, the less said, the better. I mean, look, if you if you like Nikki Cross on commentary, more power to you. I, I just find it to be annoying. But Sasha Banks pinned Alexa Bliss. That means what's next? A women's tag team championship match next week. But I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I mean. It's not a surprise to me. It really isn't. Then we got Chad Gable versus Cesaro. This was some good stuff. I thought this they did a really good job here. Gable got the win over Cesaro in a good match. But I, if you give these guys 22 or more minutes, I guarantee people will enjoy Cesaro. And I literally said on Twitter, you look at a guy like Cesaro. And how is he not world champion? How is he not a world champion? I ask. Like, and I don't get an answer, but this is what I said. Um, Let me see if I can find it. Do I need to say it again about Cesaro? Extremely talented. Should be world champion. Underutilized. Those are the best words to describe um, Cesaro. And... He's like, he's a stiff son of a bitch. A stiff son of a bitch. And, um, I've re- like, they need to reward this guy. That's all I'm going to say. 
They showed a segment where Mantis and Otis's date, like they were at a poolside. I don't know who it could be, but um, they were like Otis wanted to know if she wanted to swim. She f- took a nap, then she had this dream. Um, <laughs> what Otis? I-, I laughed so hard at this. I thought this was really great, and they made out in the pool and. I wonder how long they're going to do this. Because you want to make Mandy the biggest heel? Break up Otis. Cost Otis the uh, opportunity. I could see that. But, I mean, I don't know. I think... I, I think this is a great idea. But... But I thought this... It was funny. It was funny for what it was. I already talked about Kurt Angle... Introducing Matt Riddle, so good luck to Matt Riddle. I wonder how long they're going to put him in boots. In wrestling boots. Then we got Sheamus and Daniel Bryan. This was good. This was really good. Jeff Hardy, he appeared on the, um, at, on the ramp. Sheamus got distracted. Eat the Busaiku knee. And Daniel Bryan advances in the finals with AJ Styles for the vacant Intercontinental Championship, which... That is a match I am looking forward to. I hope it's on Backlash. I would rather it on Backlash than on a regular SmackDown. So, Jeff Hardy, he beat down Sheamus. And Sheamus ran off. You want to know what happened? Sheamus is the one who framed Jeff Hardy. He probably did the hit and run on Elias. Probably Jeff saw it. And and this is just me throwing this theory out here. He... He literally attacked. He attacked Jeff Hardy, put him in the back where the police could find him, poured alcohol on him so he could smell like it, or he might have spiked his drink. He might have spiked Jeff Hardy's drink, and uh, that got Jeff intoxicated a little bit. And, And maybe the mysterious hacker can identify this. Maybe Jeff Hardy can explain what really happened. But I'm going with the hacker. That's going to explain what's going to go down. But this is just building towards a storyline involving him and Sheamus. And I got to ask you this question. Who do you think is going to be Universal Champion right after Braun Strowman is going to go back to The Fiend who should have never lost the title in the first place? Like, it it doesn't make sense then. doesn't make sense now. And don't you think Bray Wyatt is going to bring up Jeff Hardy's past um, during the Firefly f- Firefly Funhouse when they have their feud going for the Universal title? Has anyone thought about that? I could see that happening. And I guarantee you it is going to work. Like, calm down, people. Sheamus is just the one who started this. That's what I am predicting. But that was SmackDown. It was actually decent. It was a decent show. And it's just... You see what happens when you add some talent there that you're not using as a crowd? This is the result you get. Decent to good. So, that's all I can say about SmackDown. Folks, I am getting out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I mean, I know the opening of this show really spoke volumes because this is just me being honest to you guys. But, um... Anyway, hope you guys... Are enjoying your day. Make sure you guys are staying safe. Follow me on Twitter at Shino D Phoenix. Like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. Follow me 
on Instagram for all you Instagram users at CoolManSip. And if you want to email me your questions, because we're doing it on episode 70, make sure you do so at the one and only Phoenix. The one and only Phoenix 1993 at gmail.com and include your name and where you're from because I'm going to shout you guys out because I care so much for all of you. So until then, take care, be safe, and I'll talk to you guys later. Peace out.